What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Recorded recorded live. Most murderous corporations. Yet, he says with a straight face, yet, the people at the University of Hawaii, most of the scientists, just like I said, when they see a guy from Monsanto, immediately, immediately, without saying a word, they drop their drawers, they turn around, they bend over forward, and they say, take me, take me. This is what we're up against, man. And God we trust. Or let us pay cash. And, you know, um, Bob was talking about um, politicians. And he was talking about who. And, well, something bad has happened in America and it didn't take place overnight. And the truth is that what went wrong really happened gradually and so incrementally that nobody saw it coming until it was too late. But I'm getting ahead of myself. And before I get into other things, I just want to talk about two problems. One so big that I have to zoom out a bit to describe it, and the other is almost as big and is directly related to the first. But the first problem takes a lot of concerted effort to solve, and the second one can be solved soon, and in doing so, we have to make great progress towards at least beginning to grapple with the first. So the main problem is that our government sold us out. That's it. Our so-called leaders, both the Democrats and the Republicans, and nearly every last one of them with a few possible exceptions, have been bought and paid for by the mega corporations, the cartels, the monopolies, or whatever you want to call them. I call them pimps. You got the big pharmaceutical industry, big oil, big arm manufacturer, big agriculture, and it goes on, bioagriculture, and it goes on and on and on. You get the idea. So, through lobbying and other forms of bribery and influence and coercion, these big interests have managed to grab the reins of our once free nation and are now steering us in the direction they want us to go. You can call it oligarchy, but that's too dignified. These people are dangerous criminals, and they are as close to pure evil as human beings can be. 
These people wantonly murder in the name of profit. They start wars that kill millions of innocent people. They manufacture false enemies. They poison oceans and chop down forests. And worst of all, they tamper with the very essence of nature. The main problem has become so enormous that there now seems to be almost no way to fix it. And I, I don't like sounding cynical about this, but we have allowed a small group of evil humans to push ourselves to the brink of self-extinction. We have two choices as citizens of the planet and this nation. We can either resign ourselves to what almost looks at this point to be an exorable fate, or we can stand up and fight, even knowing that maybe that we're going to suffer a bitter defeat in the end. And if we're going to fight, we may as well start by picking one of the biggest and most dangerous dragons of all. And if we can slay this one monster, there could be hope for us. And although this dragon is immensely powerful, I really think we can bring it down. And this horrible dragon, this beast that I'm referring to, is, yes, Monsanto. If there is truly such a thing as an evil corporation, and I think there is, Monsanto fits the bill. It's far beyond the scope of what I'm talking about, about any, any listing of, of atrocities that this company's sins have. But many of you already know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what's wrong with Monsanto, I have told you enough so far that it should satisfy your quest. The main thing I want you to take away is the fact that Hillary Clinton has been bought and paid for by Monsanto and that a vote for Hillary Clinton is a vote for Monsanto. And I'm serious. Hillary Clinton is not who people think she is. She is not working for the greater good. She is working for the elites. She is not a champion of the average American citizen, as she would like you to believe. She is a part of a soulless political dynasty that could give a shit about you and your family, your health, and your well-being. You can't allow this lady to become president. And we can't allow Monsanto to pursue their deadly agenda. It's as simple as that. Because I'm telling you what's going to happen. If Hillary gets in the White House and Bill gets in the White House, he's going to get new cushions from Monica. Because Monica comes back to the White <laughs> I have to pardon my humor. So the issue goes beyond political affiliation. And a lot of familiar labels and terms like liberal and progressive have become almost meaningless in the face of what's happened to this country. Both the so-called left and the so-called right paradigms have been hijacked 
We are now the victim of a hospital takeover, and we have to fight to get the country back. And if we elect Hillary Clinton as the next president, each and every one of you are going to bend over forward for Monsanto, and basically we'll all have to throw in the towel. Time to wake up. It's time to take responsibility. It's time to get the word out. This could be the most important presidential election in the history of this company. We're at the crossroads, and we have to be very careful. Putting Hillary Clinton in the White House is not the answer because it puts Monsanto in the White House. Now, just to give you an idea of some of the atrocities, I'll summarize it. And then I'll, I'll, I'll embellish. There was a study done by a guy named Eric Giles Serellini on GM corn and its toxicity. And then there was Dr. Oz's crystal, classic whistleblower on Roundup. Just two things, okay? The year is 2015. Dr. Oz blows the whistle on glyphosate and becomes the bad guy. The guy should have been given a Congressional Medal of Honor for his willingness to expose the truth about glyphosate on national television. Seriously. Four-fifths of the GMO crop worldwide is engineered to be grown with this dangerous chemical herbicide. Now, let's go back to 2012. You got this guy, Eric Giles Serellini. He's doing a test on Roundup on lab rats. He has no idea what he's doing. He wants to see what the effects are. All of a sudden, he finds that the rats get cancer tumors the sign of golf balls from the genetically modified corn, which is also known as maize, and is today's non-organic corn being referred to as frankencorn, which is being sprayed with 2,4-D, one of the active ingredients of Agent Orange. So more and more people are realizing what's driving the cancer statistics so high in America, genetically modified corn, soy, canola, and all the rest of the crap. And thanks to the results of reliable independent studies that hundreds of scientists supported, we can all be sure of some certain truths that will help us move along our day and help us know exactly what never, ever, ever we should eat. 2011, there was a GMO study that showed multiple toxins from GMOs detected in maternal and fetal blood. Are you serious? They found from the Monsanto's BT corn Shocking levels of concentration of toxins and pesticides in fetal blood. And the, the study was published in the journal Reproductive Technology in 2011. It was done in Canada. It was the first of its kind. The fetus is fragile. And the concentration of genetically modified foods has been put under the spotlight because of it. Blood samples were taken from 30 pregnant women and 30 non-pregnant women, and the fetus was proven to be highly susceptible to the adverse effect 
of the xenobiotics, which was a foreign chemical substance found within an organism that is not naturally produced. And the environmental agents are disrupting the biological events that are required to ensure normal growth and development. And this is what the study revealed to the world. But the mainstream media, complete blackout, except for Dr. Oz. So the DNA fragments that are meal-derived carry complete genes that can enter into the human circulation system via an unknown mechanism. And this study was published in the peer-reviewed Public Library of Science, or PLOS, or PLOS. And in one of the samples, the scientists had their minds blown to see that the concentration of relative genetic modification plant DNA was higher than the human DNA, which contradicts everything the biotech industry has been saying about how their chemicals don't affect humans or transfer. Imagine being more genetically modified than human after consuming genetically modified toxic food for years and years. This could happen. The study proved it. And over a 1,000 human samples were compiled from four independent studies and analyzed for that study. That's five studies. What more proof do you need in order to avoid GMOs at all costs for the rest of your life? And the PLOS website is an open access, well-respected, peer-reviewed scientific journal for all of you University of Hawaii science freaks who must have peer reviews to even consider changing your ways on something. Our bloodstream is considered to be an environment well separated from the outside world and the digestive tract. And according to the standard format, large macromolecules consumed with food cannot pass directly to the circulatory system. During ingestion, proteins and DNA are thought to be degraded into small constituents, amino acids, and nucleic acids, respectively, and then absorbed by a complex active process and distributed to various parts of the body through the circulation system. So here, based on the analysis over a 1,000 human samples from four independent studies, it was reported that evidence that meal-derived DNA fragments, which are large enough to carry complete genes, can avoid degradation and through an unknown mechanism enter the human circulation system. This study means that it is highly possible that GMOs can enter your cells. Then there was a new study that was released by the Institute for Responsible Technology using data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the EPA, and medical journal reviews combined with independent research. And we're still, but the biotech industry will discredit all of that. And the authors related genetically modified foods to five major conditions 
related to gluten disorders, including autoimmune disorder. You see, no human being alive is not allergic in some ways to chemical pesticides. It's just that they manifest differently in different people. It could start with intestinal permeability and an imbalanced gut bacteria, and this has been known by nutritionists and health enthusiasts for decades. Now it's proven. Pesticide food can activate allergic responses after it impairs digestion and damages intestinal walls. Gluten is like food glue and contains the toxins which can park themselves in the little divots and become deadly polyps. And the Institute for Responsible Technology, by the way, is a world leader in educating policymakers and the public about genetically modified crops. So if you're looking for a long-term study, you can sink your teeth in because you've heard those are the only studies that matter. Here you go. Giles Eric Serolini and his team of researchers at a university in France ran a long-term study that I talked about earlier and revealed under controlled conditions what Monsanto's genetically modified maize treated with Monsanto's toxic Roundup herbicide did to rats that consumed it. This was the first long-term study of its kind, and the backlash from biotech was vicious. Half the female rats died after growing cancerous tumors the size of golf balls. This all took place in just weeks, even though the rat's common lifespan is about two years. And the study was retracted by the fraudulent, peer-reviewed, paid hookers from biotech and serendipitously that made the research even more iconic and relevant and of ultra importance to the corn and soy eating world that we live in. Now, isn't it ironic that the one goal and the one mission of GMO was to increase yield by killing off more bugs and killing off more weeds with just the opposite happening all over the world, wherever the GM crops are planted. And to top it all off, farmers have to use more pesticides to ward off the superbugs that have grown immune to the insecticide that is inside the seed, the stems, and the produce growing in the fields of America, and the superweeds that have grown immune to the toxic herbicide that's laden inside the seed, the stems, and the produce growing in the crop fields around the world. I mean, it goes, is it, it's sad that while the farmers lose income and lose their whole farms and lose their livestock to bugs, disease, and bacteria, and viruses, and genetically modified health detriment, those farmers are losing their loved ones to cancer and Alzheimer's, yet the CDC will still tell you Alzheimer's is genetically inherited and there's no cure for it or cancer. I mean, Pinocchio never ends, man. Glyphosate, the main ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup and only the most popular herbicide on the planet Earth, and in this case, popular is a bad thing, is wreaking havoc on the human hormones by functioning as an endocrine 
disruptor. These are chemicals that interfere with normal hormone balance and the whole system in mammals. And the study was published in the U.S. National Library of Medicine. And this can of hormone disruption causes developmental disorders, birth defect, cancer tumors, especially breast cancer tumors. And it's important for you to understand that tumors are a way the body contains as long as it can. That's why going under the knife is always scary and a last option because the cancer can escape while in surgery. And if the blood and the tissues are spread that are trying to contain the cancer. So contaminated soybean products are found all over the place, including dietary supplements that can add estrogenicity dangers from the research. And Monsanto's Roundup is considered the horror of all horrors, the xenoestrogen, which is a foreign estrogen that mimics the real thing that leads to thyroid issues, infertilities, and cancer. Then the study revealed that the European regulators have known since 2002, yeah, that Monsanto's glyphosate causes birth malformations. And in Germany, of all places, they were told, the Federal Office for Consumer Protection and Food Safety told the European Commission there was no evidence. And basically, the regulators lied through their teeth, probably to get paid off like they always do, or they're already in bed with the biotech manufacturers. So the current approval of glyphosate is flawed and unreliable, and it reveals how that glyphosate approval actually came to be. And there's a book out there, and I urge you all, if you don't read, you want to read this, the name of the book is Altered Genes, Twisted Truth, and it's written by a guy named Stephen Drucker. Anyway, dating back to the 1980s, the industry regulators knew glyphosate caused malformations, but the information was never made public. So you wonder why GMO is still unlabeled in the U.S.? There's multiple peer-reviewed scientific literature that documents the serious health hazards that's posed by glyphosate, and this all can occur at low doses. The German government knew that, and why shouldn't we be surprised? If the Nazi scientists who worked for Bayer and Bass and then came back to work for the U.S. pharmaceutical and food chemical companies that later become big agriculture, biotech, and frankenfood, is it, is it surprising? It's all just the IG Farben Frankenfood that's carried forward from World War II, including the adding of fluoride to the drinking water, which is the cardinal sin of the century. So when you eat glyphosate, you alter the chemistry of your body. This gene pathway is disrupted, and the human enzymes that de detoxify you of the xenobiotics are broken down and ruined, which prevents you from detoxifying the pro properly the various chemicals found in not only pesticides, but drugs. So you go ask your doctor if destroying your healthy enzymes is good for you. And most chronically ill humans have higher glyphosate levels 
than healthy ones. I bet you didn't know that. Then the genetically modified feed for pigs was studied, and the results published in the peer-reviewed journal Organic Systems. Scientists randomized and fed male and female pigs a mix of genetically modified soy and corn for about a half a year about the lifetime of a pig from birth to slaughter, okay? So the genetically modified fed pigs had utery that were 25% heavier than the non-GMO fed pigs and a higher rate of severe stomach inflammation, over 32% compared to the non-GMO fed pigs. So you are what you eat. And if the pigs are eating cancer food, then guess what you are eating? Because we have a similar gastrointestinal tract like the pigs, in case you were wondering about that. So what's the conclusion of all this? <laughs> the GMO risk assessment is based on very little scientific evidence and does not ensure safety. Because the genetically modified foods can and probably will kill humans inside of 10 years if that's all you eat. Don't be fooled by the worst food on the planet. Well, that used to be Mickey D's, you know, that tried to add in some kale when you know good and well what all that genetically modified corn and soy does to the body. And, oh, yeah, don't believe a word that the CDC, the Centers for Deceit, Control, and Procrastination, has to say about GMOs. They are and have always been corrupt with all kinds of fraud for a century. Seriously. And if you want to, I'll talk about that in another couple of weeks. I have some incredible articles. So, he says with a straight face, next hour should be a good one. And it should be very interesting. You have to understand that most of the scientists at the University of Hawaii do nothing but bend over forward for the biotech industry. I mean, what would you do if some guy came into your house and gave you a half a million dollars? Seriously. I'm just bringing it up. What would you do? Half a million bucks? Whoa, man. I'd do whatever the guy wants, especially if, if my life depends upon it, and I'm a university professor, and if I don't get that money and if I don't support them, I could lose my job. I could get yelled at if I talk stink about GMOs. And that's exactly what happened to Hector. But he's a strong guy, and he's a resourceful guy, and he's an honest guy, and they don't like that. They don't like honesty. Honesty is not the best policy, you understand, when it comes to money. Monsanto doesn't care about you. They don't care if you're healthy. They don't care when you die. They only want the little green things that you have in your pocket with the little faces on them. And when that's all gone, hey, who the hell needs you anyway? And this is basically, see, a scientist is supposed to be objective and look at both sides of the coin. Just like I said, when fluoride was starting to do its thing, 
and they wanted, instead of having to dispose of it in lead-lined drums, that's toxic waste, they tried to figure out a way, gee, how can we make money on this? So they hired a guy, his name was Edward Bernays or Bernards or whatever the hell it was, who was a PR guy. And as one of his key work co-workers was a scientist named Phyllis Mullinex. Well, Phyllis was doing all this research on on fluoride. Meanwhile, they turned it around so that it was so good. So now, it's, instead of being disposed of in lead-lined drums to the tune of millions a year, it's being dumped into the water supply. And the companies that created these biotoxins are now making millions of dollars a year. So Phyllis Mullinex, the scientist, was independent and honest. And she found out that fluoride was bad. So she did what she should do. She went to Edward and she said, hey, all my reports prove that this stuff is bad, 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 bad. We got to get rid of it. He said, oh, let me have your reports. Let me research this. Oh, I'll get back to you. So he took and he burned all her reports. And then he discredited her and she got fired. She got fired because she told the truth. So what's going to happen with Hector? Hector's out there talking straight. He's telling students, don't eat GMOs. They say, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't say that when you're working for the university. You have to do that separately on your own. This sounds like a scientist. This sounds like a friggin' whore, man. That's what it is, and that's what they are. You got some that are good, some that are not. Let's get rid of the ones that are not and keep the ones that are good, like Hector. Anyway, that's coming up in the next minute or so, and I think you're going to have a lot of fun because I admire this guy like you can't believe. I've done so many, so many meetings and so many get-togethers where we talk stink about GMOs and he's not afraid. And thank God he's got tenure because they can't fire him. And to that I say, University of Hawaii, stick it where the sun doesn't shine, baby. And I'll catch you all next week. Aloha. Controversy. <laughs> it started out that way. Well, I'll tell you one thing. 
it's certainly going to finish up that way because, you know, I don't know if you guys were tuned in to the Mark Moses show, but that was pretty much about the Second Amendment. And uh, I have some stuff that I want to say about that. <laughs> so it, it shouldn't be a total loss, you know. So I was thinking, I was thinking that what would I like to hear President Obama say about guns? Well, I would like to hear Obama say about guns is what I what I would expect from any rational person. Here is where the gun murders are occurring in the United States. Look at this map. Okay, he could start that way. Yes, let's start there. I mean, if we were heading up a campaign to stop gun murders and gun maiming, wouldn't, wouldn't we do that? Wouldn't we make a map of where that was? Okay, so let's see where all this gun violence is happening. Is it on the western ranches? Is it in the desert? Is it in the Everglades? In Scarsdale, New York? I mean, where is it? No, it's none of those places. Basically, gangs are a good place to start. Especially since gangs can obtain guns whether or not they're legal. So whatever law is going to be fabricated is not going to stop them from doing what they're doing. So if Obama really wants to solve the problem of gun violence, why doesn't he say anything about the gangs? Why doesn't he say anything about... New Orleans or Chicago or Baltimore or Detroit or Philadelphia or St. Louis or New York City, is it, is it because he's not trying to solve gun violence but only gun ownership? Is ownership what's really bothering him? And then I want to hear him say this also. A father is in his home at night and some guy breaks into the house. And the father is armed. So defend to defend his life and the life of his family and his property, he has every right to shoot the intruder. And if he does that, if he, if he shoots the intruder, he's a good father. That's what I'd like to hear coming from the lips of the president, just to make things clear, just to set the record straight. Now, recently... It was a situation, I can't remember what town it was, but a single mother was home with her two children, and she was working in her office. And all of a sudden, she heard someone breaking into the house. So she called the cops, and she called her husband right away. And he said, go hide. So she went upstairs in her office, and she hid in the closet with her two kids. And the intruder is going all through the house, and all through the house, and, look, and all of a sudden, he comes into the office, and he opens up the door, and there she is, and she shot him three times. <laughs> okay. So is there anything wrong with that? 
she's defending her children, she's defending herself, she's defending her property. Okay, so I don't want to hear anything about people calling 911 or waiting for the police. I don't really want to hear anything about turning on the lights or expecting the safety on the intruder's gun to see if it's in the firing condition. There's no doubt that the Second Amendment was drafted in part to allow the citizenry to protect themselves against the possible future tyranny of the central government. That potential tyranny was exactly why the whole Constitution was written as it was, to check the power of federal authority. So I'd like him to put that on record, too. Then and only then is a real conversation about guns possible. So you see, with all the verbiage about assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, many people assume that the real and legal bottom-line reasons for owning a gun in this country are secure. Well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that the president or any of his allies in the White House and Congress acknowledge those basic reasons and accept them. Now, do I believe in in assault weapons and high-capacity magazines? No, I don't think there's a need for that. If you, if you want to own a handgun to protect yourself, your family, and your property, you keep it at home, I don't see anything wrong with that. But a high assault weapon? No. <laughs> so anyway, I hear a lot of talk about the traditional gun culture in America. Well, that generalization is meant to be the tip of the hat to the hunters in wide open spaces of the West. Oh, yeah, his father and his grandfather owned guns. Bring down a deer in it. I mean, okay. And people love their guns. It's ingrained in the American spirit, as was mentioned by Bob in the last show. Well, I don't fall for any of that. People own guns for reasons other than hunting, okay? They own them to protect themselves against criminals, which means shooting those criminals. And they own guns to protect themselves against a central government that wants to operate as a de facto monarchy. So do the president and the Congress explicitly agree, agree with that? I don't know, but let's hear them admit it. That would be just the beginning of the dialogue. Without that admission, there can be no trust and no goodwill. And, Mr. President, when you make that admission, you'll have to go a long way in your words and your attitude to overcome the skepticism that runs deep in the public mind. But that's up to you. But without the admission, there's nothing except the obvious conclusion that you're operating a bait and switch. And what you really want is all the guns and you're taking a few radical steps in that direction. So you must also explain why law enforcement agencies have ordered more than a billion rounds of ammunition in the last year. Well, the question I have is, what are all those bullets for? 
all those agency, agencies operate domestically. So I want to hear the president admit there was a world of difference between an armed citizen defending his life, liberty, and property in the life of his loved ones and a criminal using a gun to commit a crime. I would like him to admit that the program to take away guns cannot make a true distinction between these situations. Therefore, the honest and honorable citizen is published and stripped of legal means for defense as if he were a criminal. So as a gesture of goodwill, every wealthy person who declares an intention to grab guns should spell out the precise nature of his own means of protection. So this would mean listing the number of security people who guard him and what weapons they carry. It's called full disclosure and it puts all the cards on the table. Take for example, example that I'm a limousine liberal. And I don't believe in owning a gun. And I wouldn't know how to shoot a gun if my life depended upon it. But I have 14 men who work for me who carry weapons. Okay, give us their names so their guns can be taken away. And how about taking the guns away from the private security companies? You know, the big ones who do the contract work for the government? Those people are easy to locate and inspect, so how about grabbing their guns first? And of course, many policemen in America own guns that they don't use on the job. Well, those guns should be confiscated immediately too, right? So I want to hear the president say, add up the number of guns owned in America, then subtract from that the number of guns used in crimes. The remainder are not being used to commit crimes. So here's a precise number of guns that are behaving themselves. So excuse me for bringing up what may seem to be a peripheral issue, Mr. President, but since the federal government and its corporate allies can now spy on each and every American 24-7 down to the label on their underwear and can listen to his every phone call and read his every email and text message and inspect his every purchase while discovering what may or may not be concealed in his bodily orifices during air travel, don't you think it's reasonable to ask for an explanation of all this that goes beyond heading off terrorist attacks? Aren't we justified, in fact, in assuming that the federal government views every citizen as a potential threat? And if so, how would you assess the desire of many people to own weapons? So I would ask him to please offer a complete and open and honest description of this state of affairs. Then also, he might also enlighten those idiots among us who simultaneously rail about too much government surveillance and yet want the government to take away all our weapons. That would be a bonus. And again, I apologize for introducing what may seem to be an unconnected point, but I have to ask this question. Are you the last man in America to find out that many psychiatric drugs induce otherwise law-abiding people to commit murder. It would be ironic if you were, but I'm just asking. So the cat is out of the bag.
everybody and his brother is now aware, for example, that the SSRI antidepressants like Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil have been, have been scrambling neurotransmitters and causing people to go crazy in violent homicidal ways. And yet, in your speech, after Sandy Hook, you spoke of the need to expand mental health services. Do you have any idea what that means? It means that more of those highly volatile and dangerous drugs will be dispensed and then we'll have more murders. So everyone has figured this out. Step out of the Oval Office bubble and come to your senses. The catch-all phrase, mental health, may make a suitable sound in a presidential speech, but really it's a confession of an ignorance so vast as to be stunning at this late date. So returning to how I began this, this diatribe, let me hear you, Mr. President, clarify your position about gun violence versus gun ownership. You really need to do that since you haven't shown that you intend to stop gun violence since you said nothing definitive about the gangs in those places in the United States where most of the gun violence is taking place. So Commander-in-Chief says, this is the enemy, this is where the enemy is, and this is where we're going after him. Yet, you fail to do that, and you're failing to do that, is a dead giveaway that your agenda is something less than entirely. So somehow, you have managed to hypnotize all those fellow liberals into neglecting to see this glaring fact. Maybe they don't want to stop gun violence either. Maybe they just want to stop ownership. Then you got people. You got this, there was this guy named Brian Williams that was on Dave Letterman's show the other night who did a really good impression of Regis Philbin, and he spoke glowingly of the American West and his long tradition of guns. Now, was it just by a slip of memory that he failed to mention the private citizen use of weapons to shoot criminals? That's a long tradition. Or would referring to it have been cutting too close to the bone? Do you know what I mean? So in a PS, Mr. President, we just thought of something else. You heard the name. Jesus, Vincente, Zambada, Diabla. Okay, the guy. The guy is standing trial in Chicago. Now this guy. Oh, <laughs> we just cut the guy off. No, we didn't. He just he just hung up. So he hung up. Oh, so the guy Niabla is a member of the Sinaloa cartel, which is a drug gang. And for some reason, the guy's trial keeps getting postponed. So Niabla and his lawyers say that he has special immunity from the DEA because there's a deal between the U.S. federal government and the Sinaloa group. So 
in exchange for the Sinaloa providing intelligence on rival Mexican drug gangs, the U.S. government is allowing Sinaloa to ship tons of drugs into the United States through Chicago. <laughs> so the U.S. prosecutors have been asserting the right to suppress quite a bit of evidence in the Abla trial for national security reasons. So and now, is this because one reason why you don't mention gang violence in your campaign to take away guns? Because guns in the hands of gang members ensure the smooth flow of drugs into Chicago and then in the rest of the United States? There's lots of gang guns in lots of hands in a lot of places in the United States. And if you don't address that, and if you don't address the pharmaceutical industry pimps that are dispensing drugs that cause people to commit suicide and go out and create all kind of heinous crimes because they mentally have collapsed, then you're not doing your job. The right of American to bear arms to protect himself is a given. There are too many people in the world that are going out there. You know, I was just talking to the two guys before me, and, and I just said, if everybody had the right or the permit to conceal and carry, which means you can carry a weapon that's concealed, nobody has to see it, and everybody knew that, and you were in a store or you were in a bank, and some guy was thinking, hmm, boy, this is, wow, they're taking in lots of money, oh my God, I, I think I want to rob this guy. But what if some of the people in this store or in this bank have a gun that I don't know about? And I tell them I want to take their money, and somebody pulls a gun, hmm, I better rethink this. See, this is part This is part of the problem. There'd be a lot less crime. Anyway, that's just one man's opinion, and it's probably worthless, but you know how it goes. Anyway, 524-1080. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, Ash. Hello. 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 Uh, <laughs> you know the gun issue. You know some. Oh, I know the gun issue. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you know, the problem is that people say, "Oh, you don't need a gun because of you know violence and all that." You know, uh, even though you, you take the gun away, people will find some way of doing harm to each other. Right. And it's 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 nuts. Yeah, I know it's crazy. I, I mean, people say if you take away, okay, why don't our government start with themselves? We arm the rest of the world. We are the leaders as far as arming the world. Why don't we start disarming? Can't do that. Give an example. No, you can't do that. You can't do that because. There's money in armament. I mean, why do we have wars? It's all about money. It's not because we're looking to ensure freedom and democracy across the world. No. The reason why there's a war is because that country has something that we want and we can't get it any other way, so we go in under false pretenses so we can take it. That's the bottom line. And, uh, <laughs> another way to look at it is the gun. It's not the reason. It's the human behind it. It's the intentions. So, in other words, why is it Switzerland every every 
residence. Has a gun. <laughs> has a gun. <laughs> right, and there's no you got, crime. You got people just like it. over there. It, it comes to uh, your uh, what you call station, and they speak about oh uh, the number of uh, what you call it bullets dispensed over a magazine and all that. Right. Yep. Okay. Wouldn't you? Why would you want a musket? If you're, you're, uh... If you can carry a 45. <laughs> right. Uh, you know. Hey, look what happened. You, you remember back in the West when the repeaters, the Henry, you know, the repeaters came in? Yeah. And the Indians, you know, you look at the difference. I know. That's so, why, you know, do you notice how there's no crime in Switzerland? Yeah. There's and none that, to speak you know, of. The funny part about it, you got people in, in America, they're so insecure. They, they think, you know, there was an article once that said, dial, dial 911 and you're dead. It's true. Why should, and you know, if you sue the uh, police department, it says, hey, you know what? It says, our responsibility is, you know, when they come on, they investigate crime. The crime has been committed. I got, I got to tell you something. You're going to love this. Recently, just the other night, there was an incident on the street in front of my house. And I heard this screaming, and I heard this guy yelling, and I heard this girl screaming, and I heard, oh, my God. So I called 911, okay? And I called police emergency, and I tell them, I think there's some guy beating or raping the woman. Because that's what it sounded like. What's your address? I give them the address. I tell them where it is. Okay. Turns out... <clears throat> That was about a dog attacking a dog. Okay, so anyway, the bottom line is I called 911. 20 minutes later, the cops show up. <laughs> 20 minutes later. Now, I'm not criticizing the police. They're busy. Who knows where they are? And they got to drop what they're doing on an emergency and they have to go somewhere else. In 20 minutes, if I were on the street committing a crime and somebody called 911, I could hurt this person, take all his money, possibly do whatever I have to do, get in my car and leave, and I would be safe. Now, what if the person that I was attacking had a weapon, had a gun? I would be lying on the street and I would be still be there in 20 minutes when the cops show up and the person would say, I defended myself. And there I would be lying on the street with a gun or a knife in my hand or whatever and it was self-defense and I got what I deserved. That's, that's the issue. That's how I see it. People don't realize it, that our forefathers put that, you know, made it so... Oh, I know, I know, I know. They did it, they did it to safeguard us against government tyranny. Just like what Ferdinand Marcos did in the Philippines. He took away all the weapons, then he declared martial law. <laughs> 
And basically, we know Ferdinand Marcos was a crook. He did that so the people couldn't fight back, and his government cronies went in there and took whatever they wanted, and he still got millions that are in who knows where that nobody can find to this day. And the number one killer is, what about the, uh, what you call it, uh, the medical profession where... Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to talk you, you about I mean? that. No, I'm going to talk you about that. Numbers. I mean, you don't have people chasing, uh, you know, hey, why don't you get rid of the doctor? Well, I know. I, I'm get rid of a doctor. I'm going to talk about that as soon as we're done. Trust me. I'm going to talk about this shrink. Well, all these people are insecure, you know, around us. Right. right. So why don't you get rid of the doctor? If you got all these uh, well, incidents where... Uh, you know, they, they blame the pedestrian getting run over in the crosswalk. Blame, blame the pedestrian for yeah, walking. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? man. It's so crazy. It's, it's the same principle. I know. Uh, what about obesity? <laughs> right? Get rid of the fucking spoons, right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the issue. You, you don't want to risk look, look at the facts. No. You know, it's not... Not a spoon, a human being. They're disciplined. Yeah, I got you. So, in other words, if you, you don't want to be uh, the unruly, the criminals, the laws are made not for the upright individual, it is for the criminals. I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so, in other words, do you think the criminal, if you don't, uh, you can't force his uh, discipline him in any way? You know, if you're going to break in, you look what happened when the, uh, uh, what you call, disarmed Australia. Crime is rampant. Yep. England in the same way. You look at the media, what he has done. Well, the media doesn't report anything. They don't. No. They, anytime uh, there's a lot of incidents that individuals, the gun has an individual. They never publicize that. Only when a gun is used in principle where it kills is being used well, by criminals. I'm going to talk about that too. I'll let you go. Alright, brother. Thank you. Aloha. Okay, so, guys, in the wake of Sandy Hook, okay, Obama said that the mental health services must be made more available, presumably to, to get rid of future killers. Now, obviously this is not right, because how many people have acted under the influence of the SSRI antidepressants and the other brain meds? Because we know that those drugs are known to induce violence. More mental health means more murders. Okay. So now, Vice President Joe Biden, with his presidential task force on gun control, is meeting with psychiatrists. And here's what they're discussing. They're discussing databases. So what they want to do is they want to tighten background checks on people who buy guns. And the checks could include discovering whether the applicants have ever been under psychiatric care, and if so, what diagnoses were made. In order to do that, 
<coughs> there will have to be a comprehensive database and a tracking system that extends into and from every psychiatrist's front desk. And law enforcement will have to have access to that database. Now, what happened to the doctor-patient confidentiality? What happens then? It's possible that this issue can be skirted merely by affirming that a gun applicant has seen a psychiatrist at some point in time in which that fact could exclude him from purchasing a weapon. Okay, so organized psychiatry would, of course, welcome a comprehensive database of Americans who obtain psychiatric care. It makes their profession seem even more official than it already is. And it imparts um, a, a brief hint of USSR-like power. So the implication, we know who you are. We know you've been under the care of a psychiatrist. Wherever you live and work, we can call you crazy if we want to. Now this was always part of the psychiatric agenda behind the smooth facade of offering help to those in need. So the APA, the American Psychiatric Association, is also sensitive to the fact that many Americans would never walk into a shrink's office if they thought that would hinder their chances of owning a gun. So when you weigh the pros and cons, the advantage is on the side of linking gun ownership refusal with psychiatric treatment history. That makes the American Psychiatric Association more powerful because it brings them closer in connection with law enforcement. So essentially it makes the APA and all its doctors into cops right alongside the local police forces, state police, FBI, ATF, DHS, and all the, U and the U.S. Marshal's Office. Who could resist a promotion like that? So of course, in any case involving a murderer, where it's suspected that a psychiatric drug induced the violence, unearthing that possibility would be cut off at the pass because those facts would be protected or buried by the full force of the federal government, which is another perk. So local mental health clinics, or AKA the drug dispensaries, would bloom like weeds. I mean, after all, how are you gonna prevent violence unless you corral millions of more Americans and put them in front of a shrink or a suitable surrogate for pre-screening. It's the minority report come to life. So <clears throat> this system eventually explodes into a full national program to cut violent crime through prevention. And who will be in charge of making the delicate judgments about the likelihood that any person will commit a murder? The psychiatrists, naturally. So this goes beyond, oh boy, I gotta change the tape. And then I'm gonna have to call Bob in because he knows that the tape machine screws up every time I turn over the tape. So now we're gonna push the button and the winner is, and the winner is, 
Bob is getting his tools, and it doesn't have to be Bob to the rescue. Not until he leaves the studio. <laughs> okay, so this goes beyond deciding whether or not a resident of the U.S. can own a gun. It basically invades any aspect of a person's life to assess his mental predisposition. And that is precisely the kind of infrastructure that would come into being. Do not imagine for a moment that psychiatrists actually have the ability to make scientific calls on these questions. The entire existence of the 297 official mental disorders is such a pathetic fraud because there is not one physical test that exists to make a diagnosis. There's no blood test, there's no urine test, there's no saliva test, there's no brain scan, there's no genetic test. But that has never stopped them before, and it wouldn't stop them in the new psychiatric police state. They would keep winging it, and they'd realize they have to err on the side of caution to avoid getting caught with their pants down when a killer is forced to receive clearance from a psych psychiatrist to own a gun and walk around unsupervised. So what happens is <clears throat> many more Americans would be marked down for special tracking and mandatory 72-hour holds in mental lockups. So while they're in this custody, the strategy would be to load up the patient with as many drugs as possible to render him as completely docile as he can be after the release. So is this entire nightmare scheduled to happen this year? No. But gradual steps eventually will add up to a fully boiled frog. So in the world of brain research, the principal push is towards creating the conditioned human being. Behind the mask of curing disease, that's the real agenda. And it ties in quite nicely with a culture in which every human is looked upon as a potential threat to life and limb of his fellow man. So the shrinks will say they care. They will say they only want what's best for you. They will say that these mental disorders only need the right drugs to keep them under control. They will say we are all in this together. They will say their diagnosis treatment is the most humane program ever devised in the history of the planet. They will say it's all about the greatest good for the greatest number, and they will say whatever they need to. So Biden and Obama are trying to make a definitive move to take away guns. But for the psychiatrist, this is like a trial balloon. Inside the profession, there will be debates about whether linking gun ownership to psychiatric history is a plus or a minus for the shrinks. Will it enhance 
or will it injure their reputation and standing? And what about the doctor-patient confidentiality? But the first steps are being contemplated and the issue is on the table. <coughs> In the old psychiatry, before smooth public relations and modern marketing really took over, doctors were far more ready to make predictions about the future political ramifications of their work. You've got absolute madmen out there that went public with the idea that no human being has an inherent right to his own personality. So the true role of psychiatry, they asserted, was to reinvent the human character, personality, behavior, and thought from the ground up. <coughs> well, granted this happened years ago, and here we are decades later, with psychiatry and pharmaceutical companies tied to the hip as one as one uh, juggernaut, and with marketing departments that modulate their pronouncements to fit these times, a redux prospect is emerging. Psychiatry can pick up its old political and social banners again. It can enter into an even closer embrace with big government. It can announce that violence can be substantially curbed through an expansion of mental health services, and it can frame this program as both a humane necessity and a leap ahead into a better world for all of us. And at first, it'll begin cautiously to bring back the utopian promises. We have the science. Our understanding of the brain is expanding every day. We are literally seeing why and how conflict arises between people. And we're seeing it in the folds and channels of that wondrous brain. And we can do something about it. We are on the cusp of a new dawn. This is it, man. The psychiatric police are ready to take the next step. Meanwhile, behind certain closed doors, gentlemen, it's interesting, isn't it, how so many killings over the last 20 years have been committed by people under the influence of our drugs. And yet, we use the murders to prove how people need more of these same drugs. And sales skyrocket. And now we can become plainclothes cops with more ultimate power than any cops in history. <laughs> this is what we're up against. This is scam. So anyway, the psychiatrists, because we're in a new year, have decided that they're not above making New Year's resolutions because they need to improve themselves like the rest of us. So they got together as a society and... Uh, I'm, I'm riding over all my cables here, which is exciting. They got together as a society, and they came up with their 10 New Year's resolutions. Number one, try not to commit suicide. 
research suggests that psychiatrists have a higher suicide rate than the general public, twice that would be expected, and they also take their own lives more than any other type of doctor. So many folks think this is because they deal with people's problems every day, which is a very depressing endeavor. I disagree. I think psychiatrists don't deal with people's problems. They simply prescribe drugs, and in the end, drugs are not a solution to the problems. So psychiatrists are involved in people's problems while not providing any solutions. This is the depressing part. Resolution number two is to deal more drugs. It's all they know how to do. So that resolution is critical because drugs are the backbones of psychiatric intervention and falling behind the times in this area. Oh my God, that's totally unthinkable. Resolution number three, label more people mentally ill. Yes, marketing is the key to business success. Psychiatry's primary marketing plan is to convince normal people with normal problems that they are mentally screwed up. It's called market expansion. Resolution number four, study the brain less. Well, Dr. Daniel Amen, a psychiatrist who has, con who has challenged conventional psychiatry, once said that psychiatry is the only medical profession that doesn't study the organ it pretends to treat. <laughs> so the psychiatrists, they don't treat the brain, they treat the fuzzy concepts like biochemical imbalances that they can't explain or prove. Resolution number five, avoid psychology and human relations. So there's a few mental health counselors and some personal coaches that buck the mainstream trends and actually do study human relations and how the mind works. But the psychiatrists do not study or practice therapeutic intervention of any kind. Resolution number six, we have to spend less time with patients. Okay, yeah, let's get that 12-minute appointment down to 10 minutes this year. After all, we're only dealing with people's lives. What the hell are we going to give them any more time? And if we can do it in 10, we should be able to get down to six. Resolution number seven. Schmooze that cute drug rep some more. <laughs> So the industry people that are on the inside, they know the deal. The pharmaceutical companies send in this cute drug rep that flirts her way into a doctor's good graces. Then she can move her lines coaxing the, doc, coaxing the doctors to use her samples and so on. And wink, wink, and the doctors fall for this all the time. Oh, she's coming in to see me today. Cancel all my appointments. <laughs> Resolution number eight. We're going to prescribe more drugs to treat side effects of other drugs. Oh, boy. The medication roller coaster. When a patient begins to have side effects from one drug, the idea is to give him another drug. And then when he has side effects from that other drug, we're going to give him a third drug 
to deal with the side effects from the second drug. And that goes on and on and on. And with a little luck and some good salesmanship, we can probably get patients on 10 drugs or more. Oh my God, would that not be a good average goal? We could prescribe more drugs. Resolution number nine, close the mind further to natural healing. Okay, so the shrinks are notoriously closed-minded to natural medicine and real mental health solutions that might compromise their drug trade. So it's always a good idea to sharpen up the criticism and close the mind just a little bit tighter. And number 10, we have to become more convinced of our superiority. So here's the deal. We will get up in the morning, we will stare in the mirror with our most smug look and say, I am really better than anyone and everyone else. So this is the deal that we are faced with. We are faced with pimps, hookers, and tricks. That, that's in a nutshell. I got a caller, and I'll, I'll get back on to my verbiage later. Five, two, four, ten, eighty. Hello, you're on the air. No, you can't push a button. You got to talk to me. Fish. That's true. Yeah. Hey. Uh, hey. How you doing? I was wondering if you know about uh, the visit of uh, Dr. Vandana Shiva. Yeah, she's coming here and she wants to talk about how Monsanto really sucks. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, she can be up at the UH on the 15th, as I understand it. Well, uh, there's a number of places uh, that she will be at. Uh, if you get a copy of the Honolulu Weekly. Yeah. Uh, it has her schedule. Oh yeah, yeah. They did. They did like a two or three page article about yes. her. Yeah, she's a yeah, good they one. A, uh, they uh, tell about you know, a bit about what she has been involved in. Oh, she's uh, been very, uh, very, very, uh, very uh, influential in curtailing Monsanto's activities in India. That's for sure. You know, we should we should invite uh, people like uh, Stanley Chang. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Call these people up and tell them. Yeah, what's his they name? To go to her face, yeah? Yeah. Go right in the face of uh, Dr. Shiva. Yeah, right. Tell her that there is no need. Ernie Martin, Ernie Martin, uh, what's the other guy's name who came over from the legislature? Joey, Joey, uh, whatever, all those guys. Uh -huh. Yeah, all the guys that took money from Monsanto. Yeah, let them go yeah. and say, well, I took money. They're not bad. Yeah. You know what's interesting? You know, I just did a whole thing about guns and all that stuff. Right. Monsanto is like a fortress. Why would they have armed guards? Why, why, why would they have barbed wire fences? Why would they have that? Is it because everybody wants to get in there to get what they're selling? No, it's because no. everybody wants to go in there with bombs and blow them off the face of the earth. That's why, because they're demons. Because they've made many <laughs> large investments in bad karma. Yeah, that that they, you're right. That's that's a good way to put it. And it's all coming back. You know, they I, I down payments. Yeah, you know. 
I've been reading reports, and I'm going to try and talk about it in the upcoming weeks, about how even though Proposition 37 was defeated by the enemies of the people, you know, all these companies like Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, General Mills, Kellogg's, Smuckers, I mean, it goes on and on and on, that all own organic companies. And what's interesting is the organic companies are saying, hey, don't blame us, man. You know, we're just divisions of the main guy. You know, it's 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 like... This is what this is what it's all about. It's all about money. It's not about care. It's not about concern. It's not about giving the people products that will help them. It's just about making money. That's it. Uh, you know, the thing is too. I maybe one of the arguments about uh, GMO foods is that yeah. they can get far greater yields. Oh yeah. Okay, but. Yeah, but everybody is, dies and everybody gets sick and everybody. It's not even true that they can get a bigger yield because if you look at a Mao farm in Waianae, uh-huh. they produce like up to three tons of fresh produce every week. Unbelievable, yeah. Three tons. That's a lot. That's that. Three tons is six thousand pounds. GMO. Yeah, it's not. It's all organic. Organic, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So, but yet they don't, you see, they don't want that. They don't like that because basically they want to take over the food supply. And the problem is that all their pesticides are now creating super resistant weeds that, exactly, they, yeah. that they can't Before kill, Yeah, which has taken over the food. Plus, all the cornfields that Monsanto owns on the mainland are being sprayed with the active ingredient in Agent Orange. Yeah. And people don't know this. I, I talk to people every day. I say to them, you know about GMOs? They go, what? Do <laughs> yeah. you know what a GMO is? What? And they don't know. And, and I try to get to speak to groups. I try to speak for the Rotary Club. I try to speak to the Exchange Club. And I tell them what I do, and they say, thank you. No, we're not interested. You know, they want the politicians. They want people that they can glorify. They don't want people who are going to come down and talk to them about the truth and tell them that they have to take responsibility for themselves because the only thing the other people want is the money in their pocket. They don't want to hear that. Can what, can, what can I do, oh you know? Goodness. That this lady is a good lady. I mean, she, oh. she's doing... She's doing remarkable stuff and all of us all the activists that in our own small way all we're trying to do is enlighten the people because right. the, the yeah. power the power is ultimately in the hands of the people because that's where the money is yeah so if people knew about GMOs and they would read labels and they would be conscious about the fact of how horrible the GMOs could will be to their health and they don't buy it and the stuff sits on the shelf of the store I mean I you know I I talked about this I go into Foodland and I, I, I watch people. And they just walk and they pick stuff off the shelf, put it in their shopping cart, and I check. And I'm saying, my God, these people, they don't have a clue what they're doing. 
they just take it and they buy it. Then I go into the health food stores, and they yeah. do the same thing because they think, well, it's a health food store, so the good is it's healthy. They don't know. You've got to read it. If it says soy, corn, or cotton, and canola, and it doesn't say organic, leave it alone. And if canola oil says organic, leave it alone because how can industrial solvent be organic? I, I don't understand. You know, it's just crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. It's, yeah. it's basically rapeseed oil, and they used it in Canada as an industrial solvent. It cleans stuff. It, it was for machinery, for garbage. And then they said, we can make a lot of money. We'll turn this into a vegetable oil. Then all of a sudden, everybody and their brother was selling canola oil. I don't want, I'm, I'm not going to touch an industrial solvent and put that in my body with a 10-foot pole, man. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But that's me. That's because right. I'm on the radio and I'm forced to read stuff and do research. And I'm just trying to give out the information. If people act on it, fine. If they don't act on it, that's their business, you know? Right. What can you do? Yeah, yeah. but she's good, that lady. She's good. Well, I, I, I saw her once on C-SPAN. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. They uh, interviewed her at, at, at length. And, uh, yeah, she... I mean, this is a brilliant lady. Yeah, she knows. And people need to hear it. I mean, they hear it from a guy like me. They hear it from a guy like Walter Ritty. They hear it from someone like Melissa Yee. And they say, oh, my God, they're just activists. No, we're not activists. Not we're them. <laughs> right? Yeah. What's, not... yeah. Huh? What's, what's wrong with that? Uh, well, but, you know, they, they feel, well, they don't have any credentials. Why, why should I listen? Walter Ritty, he's just the guy from Molokai. What does he know? No, what he does knows. he know? He sees the, experience. Yeah, he sees yeah. the land getting raped. He sees that there's no no soil that's worth doing anything with. And he speaks from experience. And I do a lot of reading and a lot of research, and I check into this stuff. And I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to sit here and espouse lies and hypocrisy. I mean, if I did, I would have sponsors, you know. Right. <laughs> I can't do it, man. I just can't do it. That's yeah. why I abandoned sponsors a long time ago, and I just pay for my own airtime. Now, I got nothing to sell. I mean, I sell a product, the organic sulfur crystals, but I never talk about it. Because the stuff that's more important than just trying to sell a product, although that product is probably the most valuable product that a person can take since it was raped from the soil when they switched to the petrochemical fertilizers back in 1940, you know? Right. Even Linus Pauling said, people's diseases can be related to a sulfur deficiency, a mineral sulfur deficiency. You take sulfur, all of a sudden all your illnesses disappear. You know, I had knee surgery. And I, I was in worse shape after the worse shape after the surgery than before, even though it was all swollen and everything. And here it is, a year and a half later, and I'm back to playing ball and running again. 
And I figure another year and a half, I'm not going to have any pain whatsoever in my knee because the sulfur heals scar tissue, cures cancer, takes away joint pain, relieves our um, uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and migraines and goes on and on and on. But, you know, people say, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Story of my life. Hey, I got another caller. And I got two minutes, three minutes. Okay. Thank you. Hello. Okay, one more. Five two four ten eighty. Hello. Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? You're on the air, you know. Are you there? Nope. Okay. Have a nice weekend. So <laughs> this is another mellow show. I, you know, I one of these weeks I'm just going to try and get a little controversial, but I'm not sure how to do that. You know, I, I'm really not sure how to be controversial. I, <laughs> I just tell it like it is, guys. You know, you think I have anything against the psychiatrists? Yeah, I do. Cause they're dickheads. They don't know what they're doing. All they want to do is sell drugs. You think drugs are going to make you well? Yeah, of course. You get to take one drug. Oh, gee, my, my left arm is kind of falling off. It's just hanging there. I can't move it. Oh, we'll give you another drug that will increase the circulation. Yeah, but now, but now I've got a problem. I, I've got, oh, and I've got a phone call. Two minutes. Hello, you're on the air. Yes, could you comment uh, about whether you're not going to take the flu shot or where we Oh, hell, I haven't had a flu shot in 10 years. No way. The sulfur crystals make it so you never get the flu. Okay. You'll get a cold, but you'll never get the flu. And I come hell or high water, there's no way I'm getting the flu shot. All right, here. Thanks, brother. Thanks, sir. <laughs> oh, I was just, I, God, I can't remember what I was going to say, but it's good that I forgot because I think it was kind of inappropriate. But I don't do anything inappropriate here, you know. I just tell her like it is. What, what are you going to do? Folks, you have to understand the, 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 the motto of the big food companies, the pharmaceutical industry, the medical profession is, in God we trust, all others pay cash. And you have it in your pocket, and we want it. So don't worry about what we sell. Don't worry if it doesn't work. Don't worry if it's garbage. Just buy it. Why, why do you stay sick? Why do the large food companies put stuff in their foods that give them a shelf life of 42 years? Why? And do you really want to eat something that's got a shelf life of three or four or five months, even after it's been sitting in storage for three or four or five months? You've got to be out of your mind to eat that stuff. If you go organic, you know, my, my, my theory is if you buy produce or you buy grains or whatever you buy, don't buy enough to last you two weeks. Buy enough to last you two days. Let it rot on the shelf in the store and let the guy throw it away, and then you go back when they have the new stuff and you get fresh stuff. It's not rocket science. It's like, hey, the guy's in business, you know? Let him take the loss, not me. I don't want to have stuff sitting in my refrigerator and watch it get green with mold and have to throw it away. Money is too hard to come by. Hey, 
anyway, okay, so I'll try to think up something that's a little bit more controversial for next week. I know it's been a mellow show today, and I'm not good at stuff like that. But um, until next week, uh, all I can say is aloha. for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- 225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
All right, good evening, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is July 13th, 2015. It's Monday evening. It's about nine minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific time. That's when it is where you're at. We are, in fact, live, and that means you can participate in this show. Uh, let's see. You can call in 800 932-1980. That's what you can do there. And uh, if you'd like, you can go to the chat room. It's located on our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Either way, you'll see the chat link in uh, either one of them. Click that, follow the instructions, and head on in there, and uh, you'll be in the chat room. I uh, pop in and out of the chat room during the show and see what everybody's talking about. If it's anything, you know, that is suitable to go on the air, then I uh, usually do. You can ask questions, you can make comments, but you don't have to. You can actually just talk about whatever you want to talk about. Matter of fact, they're in there right now discussing Fall McCartney. If you've never heard anything like that, well, you might be interested. You know, it's the whole uh, Paul McCartney isn't really Paul McCartney that he died, and they basically replaced him with a lookalike. And uh, that's what's been going on uh, with the Beatles, you know, because they didn't want to Lose Paul McCartney? I mean, gee, uh, I don't know. Uh, it could be true. I, I mean, really, you know, there were years back when I would have said, oh, come on. You know, why bother? I mean, come on, just so what? A band member dies. It happens to a lot of bands. But I don't know, you know, uh, after all these years of of all these false flags going on, all these crisis actors... You know, I really can't put anything behind, uh, you know, any of these people. I mean, they're capable of anything. I mean, really. They are <laughs> They'll do anything. Anyway, so there you have that. And, uh, oh, boy, let's say, see here now. Oh, the Pentagon. You know, under Obama, this is just getting worse and worse and worse. This guy just keeps doing it. And, and you know, I, I realize a lot of you are like, well, gee, uh, you know, maybe he's not a citizen. Maybe he, maybe this, but good God, maybe he is a Muslim. But, gee, you know, to call him a homo, gosh, good golly, come on. Oh, really? Okay, so at the beginning before he was president, all these stories floating around about his homosexual activities, and not just with the guy in the limo, okay? Whatever the heck his name was. Now I forget what his name was, but uh, Silver, somebody, I don't know. I forget his name. Somebody in the chat room will think of it, but not just that, though. No, 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 no. Like, oh, the church he went to, you know, Reverend Wright, yeah, well, guess what? The choir director was a homo. 
That's it. Larry Sinclair. Okay? And then two others in the same church, all murdered, all murdered, single shot to the head, execution style. All right, let's see, that's three homos and then Larry Sinclair, hmm. Okay, so you say, well, that might be something to, you know, question, but, eh, you know, there's really no evidence. It's Larry Sinclair's word against the president. Well, okay, that ought to tell you something right there. Larry Sinclair is a dirtbag, but he's not a politician. Barack Obama is a politician. You get my picture? Who's the biggest known liars in the universe besides Satan? Politicians, followed closely by judges who are nothing but glorified lawyers. Yeah. So, uh, what, you, you don't think it would be possible that a politician like Barack Hussein Obama would lie? Okay, fine. So, we see this, and uh, some people question it. Some people say, oh, well, you know, it's just all circumstantial, and it's his word against the president, and those dead guys aren't going to talk, so who knows? All right. So then we see Obama. At first he says, oh, yeah, I'm I'm for the sanctity of marriage. Uh Oh, sure, because I want to get elected. And I want to get elected the second time. But once I got elected the second time, oh, now he brings his little rainbow homo self out to the public and says, oh, no, I'm for uh, homos being married. And then what did he do? He allowed the White House to be lit up. Like the homo flag? Because the Supreme Court ruled a certain way? You know, the Supreme Court rules a lot of different ways, and no president has ever done anything like that. Why? Why? And then, listen. Listen to his White House spokesman. Don't watch him. I'm not saying turn on the television and watch him. I'm saying listen to him. He sounds like a homo. Now, hey, that's certainly not proof. But none of this is none of these things by themselves is proof. But when you get a body of evidence that all points in the same direction, you've really got to start asking yourself. Then there's the rumors about Michael Obama being a man? Joan Rivers mentions it one day, next day she's dead? Well, maybe not next day, but a few days later, not long. But then, there's the, there's the, what the heck's going on here part? Because listen, Muslims do not accept homos. 
If you're a real Muslim, you do not accept, oh, wait a minute. If you're a real Christian, you don't accept homos either. But, you know, the thing is, Muslims, there's no way, man. There is no way they accept homosexuality. They will drag you out into the town square and stone you to death. So now we have this quandary of, well, now here's Obama. He has, he appears to be a Muslim. I mean, look, you can go on YouTube and see all the videos of Michelle or Michael or whatever its name is talking about, oh, Barack's home, uh, you know, land of Kenya and uh, those Muslim roots. And you can hear him talk about it. There's all kinds of YouTubes of their own words admitting as much. Then there's the documentation where he is actually enrolled in a Muslim school as a Muslim boy. Hmm. So you gotta really you, you gotta really look at it and say, well, now wait a minute. Everything points to he's a Muslim, but everything points to he's a fag too. But then again. Can you be both? Or could he be a Muslim pretending to be a fag so he can promote that in the United States and destroy this country? Because it will destroy this country. You people out there think, oh no, come on, it's just another lifestyle. Really? It is? Really? Because I thought they were born that way. I thought they can't help it. I thought that's why they got to have special rights is because this is all beyond their control. And then you tell me it's a different, it's just another lifestyle? Well, which is it? It's not both. Either it's a different lifestyle that you chose to participate in or you're born that way and you can't help it. Do you see? So I don't know what to think, to tell you the truth. I'm leaning towards more a Muslim pretending to be a fag so he can, you know, destroy America. Because promoting homosexuality and all these other deviant things, like transgenderism, is going to, you know, and you can laugh. If you're not a Christian, you can laugh. But you won't be laughing for long because this will bring the wrath of God down on this country. All you dimwits out there that think, oh, yeah, God did us. Yeah, God flooded New Orleans because we didn't give Israel enough billions of dollars that year. <laughs> sure. This is serious. No, this is Sodom and Gomorrah serious. This is the days of Noah serious. This is, this is big-time serious business. Because the Pentagon, the Pentagon's current regulations banning transgender individuals from serving in the military are outdated, Defense Secretary Ashton Carter said Monday ordering a six-month study aimed at formally ending one of the last gender or sexually-based barriers to military service. 
Carter said he is creating a working group that will review the policies and determine if lifting the ban would have any impact on the military's ability to be ready for battle. But he said the group will begin with the presumption that transgender people should be able to serve openly without adverse impact on military effectiveness and readiness unless and except there where objective practical impediments are identified. So at least they're being a little more honest than say a scientist is. They're telling you right here that yeah, okay, we're going to do this because that's what we got to do, but uh, we're going into this uh, believing what we want to believe, and we'll come out of it believing what we want to believe, too. You can bet on it. Well, you know what? If you're in the military, well, for one thing, if you're a Christian, or you consider yourself a Christian, and you're in the United States military, you need to start making uh, arrangements to find a new line of work. Maybe something that didn't involve killing people. Hmm? At least not innocent people, huh? Get out. Oh, yeah, but then there's the money thing, right? Because there are no jobs, and there'll be even less jobs. So, hmm, what do you, what's, a, what's somebody to do, huh? Well, get ready to bunk up with a transgender freak, then. It's going to be real nice, huh? You know, this is something that I, I honestly... These guys in the military, the guys with the guns, okay? You know, I here I go to the Drudge Report. I don't know what it is with this guy, Matt Drudge, but he just can't help but put that freak... Jenner's picture on, on his page. Every chance he gets, he puts it on there. Ready to serve. Really? Like like Jenner's going to go in the military? Is that right? I don't think so. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, it just goes to show. You know, I used to like this website, the Dredge Report, but I've noticed over the years it's just gotten to be, you know, I might as well go into uh, NBC or something. Really. He's no more alternative than Fox News is. Okay, let's look at this. Oh. Oh, man, this is about Hillary Clinton. Uh, you know, I... I <laughs> You know, when we live in a country that Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, the socialist, are the two best people, you know, running for president, we got a real problem, man. But really, they are. I mean, I don't, I don't trust either one of them. I don't like either one of them, to tell you the truth. Sure, I like a lot of stuff both of them say. But then again, I like a lot of things politicians say. But what they say is meaningless. It's all lies, man. What does it matter what you say when all you're saying is lies, man? It doesn't matter what you're saying. Sure, I can sit there and listen to it and go, yeah, great speech, man. I agree with everything you said. But I know you're a liar. 
I know you're not going to do anything you said, just like Ronald Reagan. God, I was reading today about uh, Common Core. Yeah, the Republicans are at it again. The rhinos, they say. Like, there's anything except rhinos. And they were talking about how, uh, well, you know, they're out there and they're, um, they've got this new bill. That's uh, they're, what they're saying is that it's going to, uh, you know, get rid of uh, Common Core and this and that and the other thing. But that's not at all it. Oh, no, no, no. That's not it at all. They're just renaming it. But everything that Common Core is stays, except the name. Sweet, huh? <laughs> Man, I'll tell you. It's called, uh, this is Senator Alexander, all right? He calls this Every Child Achieves Act. Okay? Yeah. Every Child Achieves Act. It's Senate number 1177. Uh, Right now it's in the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee. And this bill does not abolish Common Core, as Alexander, the lying senator, is claiming. Because, of course, oh yeah, everybody hates Common Core because it's ridiculous nonsense. But, oh, damaging ridiculous nonsense. But, so the rhinos, the Republicans, basically, are, are you know, oh, we got to do something about it. We're going to rename it. It's the Every Child Achieves Act. And, uh, oh, yeah, we're getting rid of Common Core, but they're really not. And uh, as a matter of fact, it expands federal control of local school districts. Yeah. Uh, now, here it is. Here it is. Uh, well, no, this isn't it. Uh, oh, down here it is. Oh, God. Uh, ah. Phyllis Shafley, okay, which, you know. The claim that the Every Child Achieves Act is somehow a fix for no child left behind is laughable and equally false is the claim that it gets rid of the hated Common Core. While it makes a great show of disavowing the name Common Core, Lamar Alexander's bill continues and extends the standards and testing mandate that Common Core was designed to satisfy. Well, Common Core, No Child Left Behind, and all the other federal one-size-fits-all programs promoted by liberals, rhinos, and the teachers' unions have dumbed American kids down so badly, get this, that Vietnamese children score higher on math and reading tests. Federal control of local schools was the method that the murderous Vladimir Lenin and Adolf Hitler used to consolidate their power. This method was not adopted in America until the war criminal Democrat Lyndon Johnson came along, which, uh, you know what? Lyndon Johnson was, he was a criminal on all levels, and he was probably one of, you know, we can say no, Obama, 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 or Bush, or Clinton, or whatever, but Lyndon Johnson is right up there with some of the worst presidents ever, ever in this country. For one, he was involved with killing 
JFK. For two, he was the one that got the welfare state going. Yeah, read about Lyndon Johnson if you really want to hate on somebody who's dead. Him. You see, he's one of those guys that every time, you know, you say his name, you should spit on the ground and say, I'm glad you're dead. That's Lyndon Johnson. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that got me, and I'm like, you delusional. You have no idea. The conservative position in America used to be that we should abolish the Federal Department of Education and turn control of schools back over to local communities. This is the biblical model and the model espoused by Ronald Reagan. (laughs) You know, makes me want to puke, man. Really? Really? Did... Did... The Department of Education go away under Reagan? Hell no, it expanded. See, this was all rhetoric. Reagan would get up there and say wonderful things about getting rid of the Department of Education, yet it's still there. Oh, well, he couldn't do that. I mean, you know, he's only one. Oh, really? Why don't we tell Obama that? You can't do that. You're only one guy. Oh, yeah, I have a pen and I have a phone. That's his answer. So you know what? If Ronald Reagan wanted to do anything, he could have, but he didn't. He was just up there lying like every other scumbag politician we've ever had. Gosh, this this, this idea that Ronald Reagan was something special, is it just makes me sick. It's, again, one of those deals where, look, all you've got to do, really, is look at his record. Oh, you can, you want to feel good and live in fantasy land? Go listen to his speeches, man. They're great. And he delivered them pretty good. But then go look at his record. You won't feel so good anymore. Yeah, our hero was a liar. An actor. Okay. That, That maybe should be the Ronald Reagan apologist's point of view. Stop calling him a liar. He was not a liar. He was just an actor. That's what they do. Okay, well, whatever. But I say he's a liar, and I always will. Anyway, we'll take a break, and we'll be back in just a bit. Thank you. 
foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to Wichita Homeless. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulphur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Every mile of railroad track. 
This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. Uh, you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 13th of July, still 2015. It's Monday, about 8.43 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast. If that's all true where you're at, we're live. That means you can participate. 800-932-1980. Go to the website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Uh, find the chat link, okay? And uh, you can go in the chat room and participate. Or uh, Instant Messenger on Yahoo. I forgot to mention that earlier. AVRN Talk is my screen name. All right, let's see. The room was guessing, and I mean guessing on these songs, okay? Then that's okay. I mean, the game really is to try to jog your memory. But you can guess also. And both songs are by the same band, the Outlaws. The first one was Hurry Sundown, and the second one was Freeborn Man. If that wasn't so darn long, I'd use that as my theme. I like that one. So the room got it. They guessed it, along with, uh, let's see. <laughs> it's The Outlaws or Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Fleetwood Mac, Peter Green, Rory Gallagher, Molly Hatchet, Mountain, and uh, that's where the guesses ran out, because I guess that's when I came in and uh, actually... Uh, told them who it is <laughs> anyway so there you have it now you know what do you say what, what do you say I bash Ronald Reagan a little more huh because you know the thing that really bothers me about Ronald Reagan it's not so much Ronald Reagan because I, I don't know he he didn't do anything none of the other presidents did I mean you know he's the same lying you know, actor. It's just he was better at it, man. He was better at it. No, he he bamboozled you conservatives, and he's still doing it today from the grave. All right? Here's some things you don't want to know about your hero. Reagan was a serial tax raiser. That's right. As As governor of California, Reagan signed into law the largest tax increase in the history of any state up till then. Meanwhile, state spending nearly doubled. As President Reagan raised taxes in seven of his eight years in office, including four times in just two years, as former GOP Senator Alan Simpson, who called Reagan a dear friend, told NPR, Ronald Reagan raised taxes 11 times in his administration. I was there. Reagan was never afraid to raise taxes, said historian Douglas Brinkley, who edited Reagan's memoir, Reagan, the anti-tax zealot, is a false false mythology. Reagan nearly tripled the federal budget deficit. Now, you know, I mean, Obama has outdone that, and, and George Jr. Out, outdid that also. But up to that time, nobody had ever done anything like Reagan. Tripled the federal budget. During the Reagan years, the debt increased to nearly $3 trillion. Roughly three times as much as the first 80 years of the century had done altogether. Reagan enacted a major tax cut his first year in office and government revenue dropped off. Despite the conservative myth that tax cuts somehow increased revenue, the government went deeper into debt and Reagan had to raise taxes just a year after he enacted his tax cut. 
Despite 10 more tax hikes on everything from gasoline to corporate income, Reagan was never able to get the deficit under control. So much for uh, conservative finances. More like George Bush, you know, his vice president, said, I think he, uh, voodoo economics is what he called it. Hmm. Unemployment soared after Reagan's 1981 tax cuts. Unemployment jumped to 10.8% after Reagan enacted his much-trouted tax cut. And it took years for the rate to get back down to its uh, previous level. Meanwhile, income inequality exploded, despite the myth that Reagan presided over an era of unmatched economic boom for all Americans. Reagan disproportionately taxed the poor and middle class, but the economic growth of the 80s did little to help them. Since 1980, median household income has risen only 30% adjusted for inflation, while average incomes at the top have tripled, tripled or quadrupled. This comes from the New York Times. Reagan grew the size of the federal government tremendously. Reagan promised to move boldly, decisively, and quickly to control the runaway growth of federal spending. But federal spending ballooned under Reagan. He bailed out Social Security in 1983 after attempting to privatize it and set up a progressive taxation system to keep it funded into the future. He promised to cut government agencies like the Department of Energy and Education, but ended up adding one of the largest the Department of Veterans Affairs. Well, okay, look, it's not as big as Homeland Security, but hey, which today has a budget of nearly $90 billion and close to 300,000 employees. He also hiked defense spending by over $100 billion a year to levels not seen since the height of the Vietnam War. Well, okay, here's a good thing. Reagan did little to fight a woman's right to choose as governor. Well, no, this, no, did little too. I see. The way they word this, a woman's right to choose. You mean a woman's right to kill babies? As governor of California in 67, Reagan signed a bill to liberalize the state's abortion laws. Hmm. That resulted in more than a million abortions. When Reagan ran for president, he advocated a constitutional amendment that had prohibited all abortions except when necessary to save the life of the mother. But once in office, he never seriously pursued curving the choice. Reagan was a bellicose peacenik. He wrote in his memoirs that, My dream became a world free of nuclear weapons. This vision stemmed from the president's belief that the biblical account of Armageddon prophesied nuclear war and that apocalypse could be averted if everyone, especially the Soviets, eliminated nuclear weapons. The Washington Monthly noted, and Reagan's military buildup was meant to crush the Soviet Union, but also to put the United States in a stronger position from which to establish effective arms control. For the entire world, a vision acted out by Reagan's vice president, George H.W. Bush, when he became president. Reagan gave amnesty to three million undocumented immigrants. Reagan signed into law a bill that made any immigrant who had entered the country before 1982 eligible for amnesty. The bill was sold as a crackdown. But its tough sanctions on employers who hired undocumented immigrants were removed before final passage. The bill helped 3 million people and millions more family members gain American residency. It has since become a source of major embarrassment for conservatives 
and they're doing it again. Reagan illegally funneled weapons to Iran. Reagan and other senior U.S. officials secretly sold arms to officials in Iran, which is the subject of an arms embargo at the time in exchange for American hostages. Now, the thing you got to understand about these arms uh, for uh, hostages, the thing about it is, see, Reagan started doing this through George Bush before the election. That's right. Ronald Reagan and George Bush sabotaged Jimmy Carter's rescue mission and had them blow up in the in the desert and kill American troops who were trying to rescue those hostages. That was George Bush because they had already made a deal with Iran that look, you release these hostages once Reagan gets to be president and we'll we'll funnel all these arms to you on the QT. Yep. I mean, that's an act of treason as far as I'm concerned. Reagan vetoed a comprehensive anti-apartheid act, which placed sanctions on South Africa and cut off American trade uh, with the country. Well, good for him. So one out of ten things is not so bad. Reagan helped create the Taliban and Osama bin Laden. Well, you know, I, I don't buy that. The Taliban was already there. He didn't create the Taliban. He just armed them. That's all. And and Reagan wasn't the first one to do that. So the last two aren't, you know, as far as I'm concerned, all that bad. So that's, what, eight things that, you know, people don't want to know. People who like Ronald Reagan, they don't want to know these things. How about this? Ronald Reagan supported gun control. Hey, so far he's supporting abortion. Now he's supporting gun control, runaway finances, taxing the poor for the rich. You know, this is getting nice, huh? I knew all this, but, you know, I want you to know it. Mention this to anyone, especially the Obamas trying to take all my guns, folks. And they'll stick their fingers in their ears and go, la, 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 I can't hear you, like a five-year-old. Not only did Ronald Reagan sign the Mulford Act when he was governor of California, he also supported the Brady Bill. Yeah, in a 1991 New York Times uh, op-ed titled, Why I'm for the Brady Bill, Reagan detailed his support of a seven-day waiting period for gun uh, buyers. Every year, an average of 9,200 Americans are murdered by handguns, according to the Department of Justice statistics, Reagan said in the op that if the passage of the Brady Bill were to result in a reduction of only 10 or 15 percent of those numbers, it would be well worth making it the law of the land. Gee, that doesn't sound like our cowboy hero, Ronald Reagan, does it? So, you know, next time you think about promoting Ronald Reagan to anybody, better think about it. Because if they're idiots and they don't know anything, well, fine, you'll get away with it. But if they do, you might look like an idiot yourself. Well, now, here's Hillary speaking of idiots. And, uh, you know, and I don't mean that in the, in the strict sense that she's not smart. You know, she she has a probably a very sharp criminal mind, you know. Although she's not as bright as her success in crime would, you know, would look like she would be. Because, you see, once you get in a certain spot, 
It's like being a billionaire, man. It's, it's tough not to make money. You don't have to be very smart to make money when you've got that much money to play with. Okay? It's, you don't have to be brilliant. You just have to be rich. That's all. Clint doesn't have to be brilliant. She just has to be connected. This is what you you have. To, and, you know, Bernie Sanders is not going to be any better on this, but uh, she's against Uber, uh, you know, the, the place. I guess you go online and you say, hey, I need a ride, and somebody gives you there and you pay them, right? And they bypass the crooked taxis. Well, Hillary is saying that, uh, you know, we need to support the criminal taxis, okay? Yeah. Anyway, let's see here. Um, um, yeah. Okay. She says, Americans are making extra money renting out a spare room, Clinton said. Obviously, uh, you know, anyway, she's designing websites, selling products they design themselves at home, or even driving their own car, referring to Uber. This on-demand or so-called gig economy is creating exciting opportunities and unleashing innovation. But, see, we don't want that. Opportunities and innovation? Oh, hell no, not for you. That's not what she exactly said, but what she exactly said is this. But, it's also raising hard questions about workplace protections and what a good job will look like in the future. Huh. Boy. So she goes on and on here basically about, well, here's what Seattle had to say about it, right? Um, The passage of the council site notes the ride-sharing services operate outside the regulatory framework under which taxis fall and includes this telling passage and possibly creating economic pressure on incumbent providers. However, these services may be serving a new level of demand rather than taking only a share or a fixed number of trips. So in other words, Creating economic pressure on incumbent providers. That means we got to protect the status quo. But the thing that Uber is doing uh, a lot of, and they're they're kind of pushing this as the uh, you know the smiley face for them, is that they're actually uh, riding a lot of old people around. Oh, look at this. This is just this is. You know, this is this is another reason why America is over. It's not only because of the lions, thinking politicians and the robbing, thieving bankers. Okay, it's because of the idiot down the street. Okay, listen to this: a shopper pursuing the merchandise at the Redwood County flea market was so offended by a vendor selling Confederate and Nazi historical memorabilia. The person actually called 911. Yeah, in Wallingford, Connecticut, police were dispatched to the flea market to investigate. The police chief, William Wright, tells News 8, the reason no one was arrested was because the items being sold were on private property, not to mention no laws were broken. Oh, wow, so you decided not to arrest anybody because no laws were broken. 
You know what? The one who made a false report calling 911 over something like this should have been arrested because a law was broken. There was a table set up with this material, Wright says, according to the journal record. It's not criminally illegal, but obviously it offended this person. It causes some people a sense of being uncomfortable. Certainly the owner could preclude this merchandise. Uh-huh. The town resident who called 911 said there were helmets with swastikas and uh, images of Hitler and other historic Nazi items. Listen to this. I was shaking and almost vomiting, he tells the paper. I had to run. My grandmother had numbers referring to the digits the Nazis would tattoo on prisoners. The caller complained that the Confederate items were not authentic and they were replicas of flags and weapons. He says the seller told him he was selling so much he can't keep it in stock. This is like Obama saying, hey, guns need to be banned. Ah, buy your guns! But, really? Oh, how about this? How about this from the Anti-Defamation League? It's unfortunate that under the law, people have a right to sell these things. Wow. It's not a crime, but I would call it hate. Unbelievable. Anyway... I'll be back in a little bit. We'll have Dean Lauren on. Stay tuned if you can. If you can't, thanks for listening. have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
I believe that. Yeah. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I am here with my co-host, Alfred Addisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Tuesday, July 14th, 2015. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. Oh, what a day. Hey, we're buddies with Iran. <laughs> Yeah. Things never cease to amaze me. My big question is you'd think that uh, I do think there's some, they have some uh, captives of ours, some Americans over there. You would think that, uh, you know, one of the first things in negotiating, they would have those uh, hostages released. You would think, I mean, hey, Obama traded a deserter for some, you know, high power Al Qaeda. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you think with the Iran deal going in there, you, they would be part of the deal to begin with, but because they're Americans. But anyway, those are just my thoughts. Gold's down two ninety today at eleven fifty five sixty. Silver up uh, on uh, now. Can I say that right, Al? I'm not sure. Go ahead and try again. <laughs> uh, no. Down fifteen at fifteen forty five. We have platinum down nine. At 1029, and along with palladium down seven at 656. USDX down 0.11 at 9668. Crude oil up 63 at 5283. And the paper markets today probably did a little bit of rejoicing with the Iranian oil. Uh, was up 75 points at 18,052. NASDAQ up 33 at 5,104. The S&P up 9 at 2,108. Euro 110. 10-year yield 2.40%. And uh, Asian markets, uh, Japan was up 1.5. Everything else looks moderately quiet for overnight trading. And again, when you're looking at, uh, you know, you have those high numbers in the Dow yesterday and still 75 points up today, you know, most of your uh, three months uh, performance for the sector performance, uh, you know, they're all relatively uh, down. And um, the same ones are up and the same ones are down. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's just another... um, Puzzlement, as we all scratch our heads, as the world is just fine now. Well, however, it's, it's interesting. I don't uh, know if it's fine, if it's half empty, half full, or whatever, but it's definitely interesting. Well, Americans did cut back on their spending in stores and restaurants last month, and of course, uh, the Commerce Department today says that retail sales fell 0.3% in June, and that was the weakest showing since we've had that very cold. February, the month of February, brr, that kept the shoppers indoors. Um, Let's see, this is a lot for global warming, Melody. Instead of resisting global warming, we should embrace it because then we don't have those cold winters that have unpredictable effects on our economy. But let me finish this. Uh, The uh, reversal was much sharper than they projected, so they didn't expect to have this type of a drop uh, from the previous uh, um, uh, month, and uh, there was a 1% jump in May, although they did revise it down um, somewhat, 
But uh, so it shows that the uh, consumer is reining in their spending as we go along. And again, that's just another sign that, uh, and you would think for the, uh, you know, heading into the summer months, uh, people are usually spending a little more freely as they go on vacations and and do the things that people do during the summer. Um, we also have an article here, Al, about U.S. small business confidence. That tumbles to a one-year low uh, in June, the uh, lowest level in more than a year. And, uh, again, you would uh, the expectations for, um, for the second uh, half of the year seems to be a little tempered uh, with that view. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what consumer confidence shows uh, if they continue to feel uh, that things are great because of the stock market. And um, so we'll have to see how that uh, follows. You know, we're just going to have to watch and see what reality unfolds here. A lot of people expect something strange is going to happen. Something dramatic is a lot of people believe it will happen September, October. Uh, will it? We don't know. We can't. Who can predict this stuff? In fact, you know, we, we wonder and we, but we keep on, you know, this is again, it's like one of those movies, those serials that you used to see at the movies years ago. I don't think they do that. It was maybe even before my time as a kid, they used to have weekly series, you know, uh, Flash Gordon and, and, and what's his name, Gene Autry and the Video Rangers or whatever it was. And you went to see the movie on Saturday, paid a dime for it to get into the theater, and you could watch the movie. And then there would be a cliffhanger, and next week we could have another episode, and you pay another dime to get in. And they string kids along, and they'd watch these things. We seem to have something like that going on in the global economy. Every week we seem to get closer and closer. We're on a cliffhanger, and then oh, we get saved right in the last. In the, we, in the beginning of the next week's movie, we're saved from that cliffhanger, but we end in another cliffhanger, and it just goes on and on and on. Um, sooner or later, we're going to get to the end of this movie. And sooner or later, there's going to be some sort of a serious problem. You know, we had the two articles that you just mentioned. One about some U.S. small business confidence tumbles to one-year low. That's not a big thing. It's just something. And we had weak U.S. retail sales hint at slower economic growth. All by itself, not a big thing, but it's something. All right? But what they relate to, to my mind, is another article from Reuters. And the headline is, Europe fails to rid itself of deflation threat. And the main point behind this article is that they're not able to cause inflation. They want inflation. They want 2% inflation. They think 2% is healthy. Germany is only able to, uh, it was up one, prices were up a tenth of a percent. They want 2%. Prices were up a tenth of a percent year to year. They fell two tenths of a percent between May and June. Now, if the prices are that low, we're not getting the inflation they need in Europe. If they fell two-tenths of a percent between May and June, that's only two months. You can't make a lot out of it. On the other hand, you can make something. It's a leaf in the breeze. It gives us a clue. That's evidence of deflation, and that's what they're complaining about. Italy had uh, uh, prices rise only two-tenths of a percent. 
That's not 2% inflation. It's two-tenths of a percent inflation. It's not what they need. It's close to deflation. Britain was unchanged. Prices didn't rise year to year. Sweden, prices are falling at four-tenths of a percent annual rate. Falling, that's deflation, folks. Um, the dilemma facing central banks, which are being forced to keep flooding their economies with cash to boost growth and inflation. But the problem is that to date they're getting a relatively little bang for their buck. The same thing happened in this country with quantitative easing one and quantitative easing two and quantitative easing three. The, the fundamental object was to try to cause inflation that would stimulate the economy because one of the things, a couple of things happened with inflation. Anyone who's bought a house in the last 50 years has been informed by someone in the family or at the bank or someone that you're going to be able to pay off the mortgage with cheaper dollars. And what they mean by that is it will become increasingly easy to pay off the mortgage over the term of that 30-year mortgage because of inflation. Inflation is good for borrowers. All right? If I can borrow $100,000, but in the end I only pay back 90000 or 80000 in purchasing power, I'm getting over. I'm essentially robbing the bank. And the bank is saying, oh, we don't mind. We don't mind being robbed. We'll lend it to you anyway, and you're, you're going to beat us with some, thanks to inflation, you'll be paying us back with cheaper dollars. Now the bank have, other banks have other ways of trying to make money off of it, but inflation is good for borrowers. It's bad for lenders. It's bad for savers. If you're saving your money in the bank, you got $100,000 in the bank, thanks to inflation, your $100,000 will be eaten away while it sits there in the bank unless you have a high interest rate, which and right now we're sitting on a zero interest rate. Government wants inflation. They want people to borrow money so they can go out and buy cars and homes and whatever else, flat screen TVs and whatever else in order to stimulate the economy. The government does not want deflation, because when we have deflation, prices are falling. And the dollar, relatively speaking, or the euro in the European Union, is becoming more valuable. You get more bang for the buck. And people know this. They understand it. And they sit back and say, well, let's see, I could buy myself, I could buy myself a used car for $10,000 today, or I could wait on it another 60, 90 days, and I think I could get that same car. Instead of paying 10000 I think I can get it for eight. Now, a lot of people are willing to sit there and say, I will do without the car for the next three months in order to save $2,000 on the price. This is the mentality that affects everyone when we go into a period of deflation. Everyone knows prices are falling. Whatever I pay for anything I want to buy today, I want to buy a computer, a house, a car, whatever, whatever the price is today, it'll be lower a month from now, six months from now, a year from now. It'll be lower yet. And so long as that's true, people who have money sit back and say, I won't spend now. I'm going to wait until the prices fall. And they will. Because if we don't spend right now, we don't get out and spend, spend, spend. We're not stimulating the economy. If I don't buy a new house today, if I put it off for six months or a year to get a better deal, what happens is I'm putting some people out of business. I'm contributing to more unemployment. 
As more people are unemployed, they don't have the money to buy anything. If someone wants to sell something, they have to reduce the price to something the unemployed can afford. The people who do have jobs watch their wages go down. Prices, if you got something you want to sell it, you got to sell it at a price the, the, even the employed can afford at lower wages. The point is that deflation feeds on itself. And the more deflation we have, just as inflation may stimulate the economy, deflation will take it to the ground. Right? It is a hallmark of economic depressions that we go into periods of monetary deflation where the currency becomes more valuable and prices for virtually everything else diminish. They go down. They're having that problem in Europe. Nobody's even doubting it. We are having the problem relative of deflation. We're having the problem of deflation relative to the U.S. dollar as measured against six foreign currencies, the euro, oh, what is it? The euro, the Canadian dollar, the the English pound, the Japanese yen, the Swiss kroner, and the Swiss uh, and the, uh, uh, the the Swedish kroner and the Swiss franc. The dollar is becoming more valuable relative to those six foreign currencies. It means that on the international market, the dollar is clearly going into. It's been in a period of deflation on an international level for about the last fifteen months. The problem is that the government has tried to maintain 2% inflation on an annual basis throughout most of my lifetime. This has been going on since the end of World War II, basically. Right? Sometimes we had more inflation, but basically they always wanted some inflation. They can't stand deflation. they got to have inflation, inflation, inflation. It's good for the government because the government, well, it stimulates the economy, raises tax revenues. Good for the government because inflation would, allows the government, which is the world's biggest debtor, to repay its debts in cheaper dollars. Government gets over when we have inflation, but government has been unable to cause inflation with quantitative easing one, quantitative easing two, and quantitative easing three. They have kept infl- interest rates at 0% or near zero, for most of, what, six and a half, seven years now. That's never happened ever before in American history. Nothing like that, ever before. And they're maintaining this in order to try, will someone please cause some inflation? And I've talked about this on the program in the past. And I have been confused and bewildered and wondering, what is government doing? They should not be allowing deflation to take place. Right? It's contrary to public policy, economic policy, m- monetary policy since the end of World War II. Inflate, 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 inflate. In the last 15 months, we've seen deflation on the international level, not so much domestically, but on the international level for sure. I've been wondering why. And the idea has just begun to cross my mind couple of minutes before the program began today, I think I begin, I think I might understand what's happening here. You know, I don't have evidence, but I am convinced that the government still wants inflation. I am convinced that the government can't get inflation by means of quantitative easing, either by pumping money into the economy or lowering interest rates or whatever they're doing. It doesn't seem to work. 
So how could we cause inflation? If we can't do it with quantitative easing and we can't do it with lowered interest rates, how could we do it? The government could cause the equivalent of inflation by simply announcing go to bed on Friday night and when you go to work Monday morning, they announce we've got a brand new currency out here and the new dollars have been devalued by, let's say, 50% compared to the old values, the old dollars, the ones you're carrying in your pocket right now. Could be 20% they're devalued, could be 50%, could be 80%. But in one moment, it would be possible to reset the value of the dollar in a way that devalued the dollar. They could cause the kind of inflation that Europe is unable to cause, that the United States has been unable to cause, and perhaps stop the deflation, which is a hallmark for most economic depressions. Maybe that's what's coming, and maybe that's why government has been so casual so far. They've been, been unconcerned. We've had 15 months of deflation, at least, on the, year, on, the, on the U.S. dollar index. And government doesn't seem to mind. They're not doing anything about it. No big deal. I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, what is going on here? It doesn't make sense to me until now. Maybe. Pure speculation, pure conjecture, could be wrong, but maybe the government is saying, all right, come September, October, we're going to pull a plug on the dollar, and we're going to devalue it significantly, and we will generate the inflation that we have not been able to generate with quantitative easing one, two, and three. Does that make any sense, Melody? Well, it possibly could, and I think what makes sense is we're heading into a break right now. Well, that's, that's one of those, you have nothing sure but death and commercials. Taxes are debatable. Commercials are certain. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom. We'll be right back. Please stay tuned. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded 
borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstone on Financial Survival and programs brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. What's next, Melody? I just want to remind the listeners uh, again today, we have a little pressure on gold and Mint State $64, St. Gaudens, uh, they're up another $5. So uh, they're continuing to gain strength. Um, the, the $20 gold pieces, and I'm just talking about the $20 gold pieces, Mint State coins are all up about $5 across the uh, um, the, the realm of Mint State 61, Mint State 62, Mint State 63, Mint State 64. So, again, these are signs that uh, there's strong buying going on in the markets, and uh, people are looking towards the uh, Mint State coins as a way to diversify their portfolios and also to uh, uh, take advantage of the additional uh, protections and, and profits they might gain from these coins. So we still have the Mint State 64, $20 gold piece. I mean, folks, you won't be able to find these prices anywhere less than this. Um, there's one group out there, they're, they're way over $1,600. They're about $1,650. And uh, I shouldn't even be selling these coins at $1,530. I mean, I, I shouldn't even be doing it. It's like like a couple bucks above wholesale. So take advantage of this sale, 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. All right, Melody, what is, uh, here's something. Uh, uh, okay, what, what? Well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Read your notes. We have a caller. We have Mr. Jim. Jim from West Virginia? Uh, Mr. Jim from <laughs> West Virginia. Um, but every once in a while, every once in a while, you fellas are hitting a bunch of points and say, "I gotta get in on this." Um, about the only advantage of being aware of all this trash for 50 years, as of a couple months ago, is the perspective. 
good and bad. Uh, we know the government speaketh out of both sides of its mouth, right? Mm-hmm. And I can remember half a century ago, every week or so, it would come out on the on the news. Oh, the price of steel went up another penny a pound, causing our inflation. And at the same time, I knew, because I read things like Kiplinger Magazine, as was a long time ago, but I knew that the Federal Reserve rules, regulations, whatever the hell, operating practices, policy standards, whatever the heck they run by, they would say, oh, every dollar that the government borrows, that's money out of the economy that suppresses the economy. So we're going to print $13 for every dollar the government borrows. I mean, this is the kind of trash that's been going. The truth of the matter is, so the Federal Reserve people get richer. Now, okay, now I've got a big point about inflation now. Alfred, everything you and Melody say about inflation, deflation, is 100% true. Okay, not taking from that one iota. But there's another factor. Government says, oh, we need inflation because it helps our exports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it helps exports, it's economic development. No, so they get richer. Now, here's the truth of the matter. If they think that inflation helps exports, why in the H is it that two-thirds of the price of any manufactured goods, product of heavy industry, is made of taxes? Yeah. Now, you talk about real inflation. Currency, inflation. And, of course, I've just given two stories about that, which, you know, BS stories here over the years. But uh, you tell me why it is that whenever you buy something from heavy manufacturing in America, two-thirds of the cost of that darn thing is what's called tax overhead. Because when you have a business, if you pay out 10% taxes, more than that's a 10% overhead. But you see, you've got to understand, when you're in a business, everything you buy has already been taxed. That shows up in the prices. So what it boils down to is two-thirds of something other is taxes. Now, let's look at that real careful. That means if you're a consumer, customer, that means that uh, two-thirds of every dollar, you know, you come home with your paycheck, some guy sticks a gun in your face and says, give me two-thirds of it, okay? Let's look at it that way. Keep in mind, a criminal, somebody takes control of that, which is not his. But let's say you're a manufacturer, okay? You're sitting there, and you get slammed with all these taxes. Okay, so basically, if taxes consume two-thirds, that means the real cost of production is one-third the price. That means everything costs three times as much, and that isn't even figuring in rules and regulations, the burden mm-hmm. of that. So basically, if you're running two-thirds of a tax load, that means that everything costs three times cost of production. Now, you tell me how that that helps our economy and that helps exports. So no, it's it does killing talk us. Out of it's killing us. Mouth. When yeah. I was a kid, when I was a kid, I, I called up the library. I've told this story before, but this goes back into the 90s. I wrote an article on this. Uh, it was before the Internet, which is hard to believe. I think the Internet, I think it was invented sometime before the wheel is the way it seems in my mind. We always had the Internet. The wheel, that was that came later. Um, but before we had the Internet, if you wanted information, you could call the Dallas Public Library, and you could ask them, and they'd send somebody down, run through the books, and they'd come back with information you were looking for, an article. And the rest, I asked them how many people, what percentage of the American people had jobs back in 1950 when I was a little boy, and the answer was about 30%. And what was the percentage of people who had jobs today? It was uh, Back then, and I was asking 1990, it was about 55%. Now, how the government says they're doing a wonderful thing by creating more jobs for us, and we should just 
you know, line up to kiss their backsides because we have created more jobs. The reason we have more people working today than we had back then is because back then the taxes were so low, one man working could afford to support a wife and one or two kids. They have raised taxes to where the average man right now is probably only taking home, I don't know, perhaps as low as 20 cents, but at least no more than 35, 40 cents out of every dollar he earns is actually being spent by him. The other, the other 55, 60 cents is going into taxes. You don't have as much. And because the governor's raised taxes, women have to go to work. They don't get to go to work. So, oh, you come a long way, baby. All right, you may remember some of the oh, liberal, women have been liberated to go get jobs. Yeah, because we taxed the man almost into oblivion. And so we said, all right, now it takes two people today to generate the same standard of living that my father could generate back in 1950 when we were the richest country on earth. We were the number one lender to the world. Now we're the biggest debtor. And we have the biggest we have the biggest debt. We are arguably, if that debt was ever enforced, we might be the poorest people on the planet. So all I'm trying to say is I'm agreeing with what you're saying, and the consequences of raising taxes and raising taxes and raising taxes has been to impoverish the American people, to put our families under a great strain. Principal cause of divorce in this country is economic stress. Who's the principal source of economic stress? Government. They take more than half the money you make. They're the four. They're the primary source of economic stress. And it all, just one thing flows from another. While we have big government who claim they are doing so much for so many, and the truth is we are being gutted by big government. And I'm sure you understand that, Jim. And I doubt, I doubt that there's much that I said there that you don't agree with, but go ahead. I agree with 100% of it. Mm-hmm. And the simple truth of the matter is this. We are being attacked on all corners, and the excuse which they give is, the reason they give for everything is an excuse. It's just that simple. Now, I'm going to mention one other little point here for whatever reasons. One of the hardest things I've had to do to get through to people who have never had a business of their own is the fact that there are so many taxes which go right into the final price. Business taxes are the most punitive. Matter of fact, capital gains taxes, which is basically seed money, capital gains taxes are even the most punitive. John F. Kennedy. Okay, supposed to be liberal, you know, war on poverty sort of thing, etc. Okay, he was smart economically because you got to pay for this stuff somehow. One of the things he did was he chopped that daylights out of the capital gains tax, and that staved off a tremendous depression, recession in America back in the 60s. So, folks, anybody who knows anything about economics, I don't give a dang about your politics, left, right, or in the middle. This is all about economics, who benefits, and John F. Kennedy, thank God, was smart enough to see that capital gains taxes were the most punitive of all. Second behind that is business taxes, because whenever you tax a business, that means that exports go down, baby, because you can't sell your goods overseas if they cost three times as much as uh, another one. I thank you for letting me have your platform, folks. Hi, Jim. Thank you. You know, one of the things about it is I, I am not convinced that we need to worry about exporting our products to foreign countries. 
we don't make it. I think anymore. that's exaggerated. I think the need for exports is exaggerated. We have potentially the largest and most important market in the whole world is in the 50 United States. I don't understand why, if I'm running a little factory down here in Dallas, I need to worry about selling my uh, my my whatever it is I'm making, my widgets. I don't need to. Sell, why do I need to sell them to Peking? Why can't I sell them to South Dakota or Maine or Florida or someplace? Why do I have to worry about selling? Why do I have to compete in that in that market in China? I can understand that if you want to compete, okay. But to me, high tariffs will just keep this right within the family here, the United States of America, and I'll make uh, I'll make computers, and Frank uh, can make uh, TV sets and Melody. You can sell gold coins and whatever we're going to do here. And we don't. Need, I'm not convinced that we need the exports the way a lot of people. The government's oh, we got to export. I don't believe it. Uh, it may be helpful, but I don't think it's critical. What was the other point I was going to make? Frank, or excuse me, Jim was talking about. He didn't care whether you're a liberal or conservative. And he's right. I was thinking about this just the other day. The problem is not that the government is in the extreme communist or in the extreme fascist. The problem is not that the government is liberal or the government is conservative. All right? They fly under these flags and say, hey, we're the government and we're, we're communists. Well, from my perspective, that's a bad thing. That's a dumb thing. But so is fascism. So is the extreme right. What is wrong is not the philosophy that the government flies under. What is wrong is the size of government. I don't care what you've got. If you've got a big communist government, you're in trouble. You've got a big fascist government, you're in trouble. You've got a big conservative government, you're in trouble. You've got a big liberal government, you're in trouble. The problem is big government. It is not the government's philosophy, the political philosophy. That's incidental. And where I'm going with this is if we are going to have... If we, insofar as we live in a world where we think government's going to solve all our problems and government promises to solve our problems and government promises to take care of us, and insofar as we accept those promises and we become dependents on government, that's what kills this country. And I don't care whether it's communist or fascist or whatever. The communists killed the Soviet Union. The fascists killed Nazi Germany. But the common denominator was big government. It's not about whether you're fascist, you're communist, you're conservative, you're liberal. Do you think, as a liberal, we need more government? You're helping to destroy this country. Do you think, as a, and the liberal comes, well, we got to help the poor. I'm not convinced that's true. I think the poor can be helped at the local level. And it should be that way rather than the federal government picking up the, the obligation to pick up the poor. But the conservatives come in and say, we don't need to help the poor, but we do need to subsidize the rich. And again, I'm saying that's crazy talk. We don't need to subsidize anybody at the federal level. That's something government does. It gets them elected and reelected and so on. And it's something we seem to accept and enjoy as people. But in the end... It's the reason we have this enormous debt. 
because big government said, oh, we can do all sorts of things. We can fight wars all over the world. We can give welfare to everybody who's poor. We can invite the illegal aliens in. We don't have to be reasonable. We don't have to be responsible. We're being destroyed by big government, not liberal government, not conservative government, not fascist government, not communist government, big, big, big. And the whole idea behind the Constitution, the original Constitution, was limited government, which means small. That was the foundation on which we rose to, I don't know, the world's number one superpower. Um, you know, we, we became the most prosperous nation on earth, and it was based largely on having a limited government. But particularly since the 1930s and the New Deal, the concept of limited government has been lost, and government is supposed to solve the all things to all people and kiss all of our boo-boos and tuck us in at night and rest that. And we've lost the independence that's necessary to keep this country afloat. And maybe we'll regain that independence. We might gain it, regain it voluntarily, but I don't think so. You know, you go talk to people that are receiving checks from the government. They say, well, yeah, I believe those other people shouldn't get checks, but I should get mine. You know, how many people, are, you know, the, the military, they make weapons and bombs. They're all, they're in favor of the fascists. The welfare community is in favor of uh, the liberals, and they want more money for the people who are living in poverty. Who's going to who's going to voluntarily agree to give up their checks? And the answer is almost no one. Everyone wants more, and as a result, we keep on. We can't. Hey, you know. Stop paying those other people, but, you, gee, I need the money. You know, I, I need the money bad, so you got to give the money to me. We will continue to suckle at the government teat until the whole thing collapses. And all of a sudden, we have to be weaned whether we want to or not and learn how to survive in the world on our own. And then we, and then we might regain the kind of mentality, the independent mentality, maybe, where we can rebuild this country and do something powerful with it, something important, something valuable to everyone. But it's going to require people to get away from this notion that government is the is our savior. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866 229 
866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w.thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Hi, folks. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. What's next, Melody? Well, you know, you talked about how the people, you know, maybe they'll wake up. You know, certainly there aren't, there are no politicians, I believe, that will pull us through, but this makes interesting conversation. Anyway, today there was a USA Today poll that showed that Donald Trump, Trump was taking the lead over the rest of the Republican field. <laughs> um he surged to the top of uh, the field, yep. um, but he's still the weakest competitor against supposedly the GO Hillary. Hillary, and it's like I don't buy that. I don't he either. He could wipe her up in a. However, I do believe if Trump continues wants to be considered seriously, I think he does need to perhaps show sometimes a little bit of a presidential <laughs> demeanor yes yes yeah he gets a little he, he he likes to play the uh i don't know he, he kind of parodies himself at times mm-hmm. and he does the you're fired routine and the rest of that sort of thing um he's a little theatrical yes all right and i agree that's a problem yes. and whether that's going to come to bite him in the buns or not what remains to be seen it probably will now, whether it'll bite him, but whether or not it actually makes him bleed, we'll watch and see. He can probably handle it. If he fails to handle it, he could be laughed out of the race under certain circumstances. But my guess is he's going to stay in it. He's got the money to make the difference, and he's got to be changing. How many Republicans well, do we have running? How many can- Republican candidates do we have right now? 15 or 17 now. I understand. There's got to be two, three, five of them that are sitting back and saying, you know, if I want to get in this race, I've got to start taking this as serious as Trump does. I've got to start calling a spade a spade because that's what's moving the public. And maybe Trump can be put off to the side, but if he is, it's, he's going to be replaced by someone else who at least speaks bluntly. Well, let me put it. campaign. 
Let me Whether they'll it. live up to it later on remains to be seen, but, you know. Well, I think what is truly happening is the media is playing him, and he's falling into it. And I think with his, the headlines that he's getting, they're, they're feeding him. And he, he it's like, well, aren't you supposed to be smart enough not to fall into, you know, their their little web here that you should be able to dodge it and, and, and promote yourself? I mean, who are these guys? Hey, all of these politicians, they get to these levels to where they're leading the batch. And it's like, well, who in the heck are your handlers? What are they telling you to do? I don't and think are you ignore yeah. And are you ignoring them to that degree that you're falling into this media game because of while they're doing this and he thinks he's leading now, they're just there to destroy him. And no, that's exactly think, what they're doing. Leading. I think he's legitimately leading. I don't the media the, will the media destroy out, him. I, won't, I don't doubt, given the opportunity, that they will try to knock him they're down. Playing I mean, that's, him. That's their business, practically. But, I mean, just like this. Like yeah, this, but look like what this. he's done. I don't know if he intended to capitalize on his bluntness to the extent that he has. But he got into this, and he opened his mouth about one thing or another, and all of a sudden he started to surge. His this is perhaps he might be as surprised by his success as any of the rest of us are. He may have said, holy cow, all i got to do is go out and tell the truth to these people, and they're ready to vote for me. I mean, it's who, who's playing who right now? No, I the media wants him to behave like a normal politician, the rest of that sort of thing. That's not how they're playing him. Well, I understand. They're, they're giving him enough him. rope right now, but he has taken that rope, and maybe he's going to hang himself, and maybe he's weaving uh, a net to capture them before this is all over. This remains, this is at least interesting, and from my perspective, you know, I'm hooray for Trump. He's well, changing the tone of the election in ways that the Republican hierarchy can't control right and that's got that's good yay hooray well i agree i mean i agree and i hope he at least perhaps i mean just like this you know the criminal that escaped Hmm? prison el chapo Chapo. i mean you know really you really believe threats are coming from him because i mean Come on, let's, let's get serious. You know, like, let's start. Let's get right, serious. I want to start an organization of Mexican drug lords against Donald Trump. I want to. T- I need to Mexican drug lords. Hey, I mean, it's just the thing. This is the guy is helping Trump. I'm surprised Trump didn't pay him. Say, listen, if you'll send a tweet that's critical about me, I think we can get another hundred thousand, two hundred thousand votes, whatever. He needs to start talking about other things other than just Mexico and, and, and what you know. You know, he he gets he get, he's caught in a situation where he walks into the room and, and who's going to ask him about the Iranian deal when they can where they can see if he's going to say something else outrageous about the Mexicans. Well, that's where he needs to change, and that's where he needs to control more than allow them to control him. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you're right. I think absolutely. I think it's probably one of the best things that could happen to this election to bring him on. What I really want to see is how he behaves during a a, a debate. 
That'll be interesting. Well, it'll be interesting, but he's not going to be intimidated. Absolutely. I, I think he, it, 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 he's going to make problems for the others. You know, you can sit back and say this is going to be interesting to see how Trump <laughs> reacts. But, you know, in most of these debates, what's the one thing you can't do? And the answer is you can't show fear, you can't show confusion. All right. If the other guys can push you around, you look weak, you lose the debate. I don't care how smart you are. You're going to lose the debate if the if the big boys appear to push you around. You're going to lose this thing in political circumstances. I don't think they're going to be able to push Trump. No, they can't. I don't think they can push him, and I don't think he's going to look nope. weak in debate. I don't think you're going to catch him where he just, uh, 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 he has nothing to say. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be, I don't know that it's going to save the country. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just, I'm I'm saying at least this is going to be an election as long as Trump is around. This is going to be an election that uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I, I agree. And I agree. I don't think he's going to save the country or anything else. But, uh, you know, a lot of people that I, a lot of people that I talk to, when, when we talk about the election, they tell me, they say, you know what, I'm just tired of the same old people. Yeah, no. He's new. He's mm-hmm. actually refreshing. Yeah. He, he, and he has passion. Yeah. He has passion with what he talks. Yeah. And he's right. And they agree with him. And so they says, yeah. And they'll say, my spouse thinks I'm crazy for wanting to vote for Trump. He's going to vote against him and so forth. And But... It's interesting to see how people have voiced their um, support for him already. I know. I mean, I heard that he was up. He was. He had surged above Jeb Bush. He has. Yeah. So I'm assuming he's got about twenty twenty percent of the prospective voters. Twenty twenty two. I don't know where the poll is exactly, but he's in an excess. Seventeen percent. Jeb. He has seventeen percent. Jeb is fourteen percent. he's fallen. Jeb was at nineteen percent. Then Jeb has lost ground. And of course, and, I can't even believe he's got that much. But out of you know, that's a big. Well, you had you had Scott Walker come into the race yesterday, yeah. and that took those points away. But you've got sixteen, seventeen Republicans who are taking a shot at this thing. Which means the average guy has got maybe six percent, and if Trump is pulling down seventeen, nineteen percent right now, he's way ahead of everybody, and it's going to be difficult to unseat him. It's not going to be impossible, but they're going to have to get him pretty soon if they want to take him out of the campaign. He's liable to establish such a commanding lead that it's going to take someone who's going to have to do something really intelligent and dramatic his, in debates in order to unseat him his on the primaries. You know. His competition is Scott Walker. I think he yeah, that's his, you know, I don't think it's Ben Carson. I don't think it's Rand Paul. I don't think it's, you know, I don't believe it's Ted Cruz. But I think Scott Walker from Wisconsin, yeah, I think he's got uh, – you know, I mean, he just made his announcement yesterday, and he's ahead of them all. You know, I mean, he's third, and he has that polished, but yet he's shown as a fighter and, and, and working on, you know, bringing Wisconsin around and standing up to a lot of the heavy hitters in Wisconsin. So, you know, he has a little bit of a, a record, and, you know, so I would think Scott Walker would be Trump's biggest competitor. But It might be, but I've... 
I, I people not, like Scott Walker. If they're Republican, they like Scott Walker. I agree with that, but he looks the part. I'll give you that. Yes. He looks like he was sent down from central casting. All right. Yep. But how old is he? Do you know? No, no, I don't. I'm not off the top no, of my head. You only have to be 35 to be president, if I understand and recall correctly. And that goes back. That was a meaningful number when this when the Constitution was drafted. Forty-seven years ago, when he's forty-seven now. Forty-seven. Yeah, it's reasonable. But you know the truth of the matter is, I don't think you're fit to be president until you're at least sixty years old. Mm-hmm. I agree. I know a lot of people would sit back and say, "Oh, you've got to let the young people in." These young men running, they don't know anything other than how to chase their secretaries around the desk. Right? I don't think. This is an important job, and it's not something that should just be handed over to whoever looks like he he missed. It. He should have gone to Hollywood rather than to Washington. Uh, there's there's something here, and you've got to be you got to be around for a while, and it changes. You know, I would have thought in my own you know egotistical way that well, I was fit to be president years ago. No, I wasn't. You know, a lot of people think that. You know, you get the oh yeah, if I was president, I'd do this. You're I wasn't fit to be president. You got to put some years on. Was Kennedy fit? Since I don't know that he was. I don't know that he was. You know, Kennedy. You know, on one level, we never got a complete. Kennedy did some great things and potentially great things, but he was also wasting his time with Marilyn Monroe and God knows who else. Uh, I mean, this guy, if he had lived. We have an opinion of Kennedy right now that's based in large measure on the fact that he died relatively young. And he died before he was able, he had enough time in office to make a complete ass out of himself. You give him enough time, he might have come off like Bill Clinton before this, before his, before his, his, his uh, administration was over. You don't know. You know, we, we tried to glorify these people when they have, it's, I don't mean this, take this in the wrong way, but in a sense, from a historical point of view, he had the good fortune to be assassinated before anybody could find out what he was really all about. Now, I know, and I don't mean to antagonize people by saying good fortune. I mean, but I mean, I use that term just to try to illustrate. We don't really know who John F. Kennedy was. I appreciate him a great deal more than I did at the time. I mean, I was a big-time Republican back then. I didn't know anything about it, but I thought I was a Republican. You know, over the years, I've come to appreciate John F. Kennedy and some of his speeches in particular. I mean, I don't know what he did, but he did deliver in what he, what he accomplished, per se. But he delivered some extraordinary speeches. And uh, I don't know that he wrote them himself, but he had the good sense to hire people with brains enough to write really intelligent, passionate, moving speeches. Humorous, restaurant, in brilliant order. So, I don't know. But I'm still saying, you know, I'm not saying that you can't... 35 is too young to be president. You don't have enough, you don't have enough character. You can't possibly... I don't know that any man can know enough to be president. You have to know foreign policy and domestic policy and what are they doing in Congress and what are they doing in the Senate and, you know, what are the courts up to and the rest of this sort of thing. Can any man really 
master the job? Is anyone really fit to hold that office anymore? And you know, well, that's a good question. How many of these guys have even been in the military? I mean, I mean, you're right as far as foreign policy. I mean, look at the guy that's in there now. Look at the ones that have been there in the past. Sure, the Bushes were in the military, but you know, it, yeah, it was in the they, National Guard. Exactly. I mean, they they didn't have any. They really like don't have any. Scouts. You get look at Clinton. I mean, none of these uh, ex presidents have. You know, they they didn't have any experience. Well, I can tell you one of the problems is that we used to have, we won't have enough time to get into it right now. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. But it goes to the difference between these open primaries and nominating candidates out of the smoke-filled rooms that they used to use back prior to the maybe the 1960s, I think is about the time they changed and went to wide open primaries. It changed the kind of candidates that run for the president. We have people who make a good appearance on the TV get to be president and the people really know something they're the ones that would have made it through the smoke-filled rooms um but if they're not they don't have that, that tv uh, uh, persona forget it you're not going we're out of time melody i want to thank all you people for listening melody and i will be back will we both be back tomorrow melody i think you're off today tomorrow i'm not i'll sure. be back i'll be back tomorrow um, with Wendy Wilson from Apothecary Herbs. And in the meantime, with the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. 
No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- 225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze-Dry Guide today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t dot com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Fighting soldiers from the sky. Fearless men who jump and die. Men who mean just what they say. The brave men of the Green Beret. Silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today. But only three win the Green Beret. All right, everybody. Welcome. Here we are on another day, uh, and thank you for being where news is serious and you can depend on getting an accurate analysis of what's going on. And right now, there is an overload 
of news that uh, you need to be informed about. This is American Voice Radio. It's time for Freedom Call. I'm your host. My name is Bo Greitz. I think one of the first things that we need to cover is uh, what Obama is saying about the uh, the money issue and the need uh, to get the debt uh, limit raised and what Congress is or is not doing. They're meeting every day now. And uh, today, Obama raised the curtain, if you will. Uh, he is... Uh, using theater to try and frighten uh, older people, especially, who might uh, turn against Republicans for their stance on no new taxes and uh, insisting on cuts uh, rather than just adding debt uh, by raising the debt ceiling. And it may work unless the seniors that are being targeted are aware of what is going on, how the propaganda is being used. So get something to write with always when Freedom Call comes on American Voice Radio. Obama today says the first to be hit with any of the so-called pain that he says will come if he doesn't get his debt ceiling that he uh, is bargaining for will be the seniors. He said he is threatening veterans, disabled people, people on Social Security, and, of course, the likes of Medicare. He's saying that uh, the checks, 70 million of them, may not go out on August the 3rd. Well, normally government checks uh, go out the end of the month. Well, they have to have the 2nd of August uh, as a drop-dead date for whatever they're going to do to the budget. We will know because by July the 21st, they're going to have to have a plan to Congress. It takes that long. Uh, actually, they could speed it up, but it will legally take that long to get through both houses, uh, meet to make sure that every jot and tittle is the same on both versions, and then send it over the White House to be approved by the president. Obama is saying that the Chinese have priority ahead of our seniors, our retirees. In other words, he's saying all entitlements will actually uh, be the first to be trashed if he doesn't get what he's demanding. And he named the people on Social Security. He named 
disabled American veterans and retired veterans. He even named military in uniform. And this accounts for 70 million checks out of 310 million people. A lot of people getting money from the government. <coughs> the whole purpose is to spark fear in the hearts of uh, America's seniors so that they will turn against the Republicans in the House of Representatives and demand that the Republicans go with what Obama wants. This is his threat, and it is theater, and it ought to land him in jail, to tell you the truth, because he's not being truthful with America. I've already told you, 70% of the government is funded It's the 30% that requires a debt ceiling or a cut. You mean to tell me that uh, with a uh, basically a $4 trillion uh, plan, a budget, that you can't find 30% of that uh, which can be cut? I think when you look at the programs that have been approved by Obama's budgeting, and you you see that there's certainly no mention of uh, the president, the executive, the administration, the U.S. Congress, none of them is going to lose a penny. As a matter of fact, they voted themselves bonuses here not long ago. It's been three years since uh, any senior has seen an adjustment uh, for cost of living in their Social Security check. The military has also uh, given Obama much uh, by foregoing uh, planned and rightful raises to keep up with raising costs. But to think that the Chinese, because they own a lot of America's debt, will take priority over our own military, our own uh, government uh, military retirees, people on disability, people on Social Security, disabled American veterans? What happens when these people that are disabled living on a fixed income that has paid into these systems, what happens when the check doesn't come like Obama says, well, I can't guarantee that these checks will be sent out on the 3rd of August. We may just not have the money. Well, they won't have the money, maybe after paying Red China. And really the problem is that Obama, and it's getting worse, is looking at a 9.2 unemployment nationwide. 
And the reason that we have unemployment is because small businesses and other business owners cannot borrow money. This is how the Great Depression occurred. There is plenty of money to be had. But when Obama paid about $3 trillion with no accountability, these banks sucked it up. The big banks then swallowed up the little banks that uh, weren't bailed out. And now they're all holding on to their money. You try to get a loan and see what happens. So the little businessman cannot expand his business, cannot invest, cannot get a loan. Ergo, we have increasing unemployment. But this comes right from the mouth of Obama himself today. Now, a second thing that I think uh, you should, in honor of, be aware of, that as we speak right now in Palm Desert, California, there are four former first ladies. Uh, We are looking at Rosalind Carter, member President Jimmy Carter, She is going to be one of two to read the eulogy of Betty Ford. Now, this is the eulogy and the memorial for Betty Ford, who, of course, was the first lady of the United States, Gerald Ford, when he was elevated to president. Nobody voted for him. It was because... Uh, The vice president got run out for being uh, corrupt as a Maryland governor, and then Richard Nixon had to resign and left office. And so here we go. We got uh, Gerald Ford and Rockefeller, president, vice president, that nobody voted for. But she was the first lady. It was very interesting because Betty Ford was able to beat cancer, and she the main thing is that she beat alcohol and prescription drug addiction. And she became famous in the United States uh, for her stand and for her support. And so there are many Betty Ford centers now. A second person that will read uh, the eulogy is Cokie Roberts who was an ABC uh, newscaster and uh, an Emmy Award winner that was one uh, of Betty Ford's favorites. So Rosalind Carter and Cokie Roberts are reading the eulogy. Other people that uh, are there, Nancy Reagan is, uh, is there, um, Maria Schreiber, the First Lady of California, getting a divorce uh, from Arnold for uh, walking on his foreskin with their maid. Uh, G.W. Bush is uh, present to honor Betty Ford. Hillary Clinton, Secretary of State, 
uh, and I think very likely to be vice presidential uh, candidate behind the incumbent, Obama. And uh, Michelle Obama, speaking of uh, Obama, Michelle is there. And so uh, the funeral will be held in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, here uh, this weekend. But today is uh, the eulogy, memorial, this kind of thing. And so uh, Betty Ford in a better place. And uh, we should all think of how fleeting this life is, how precious this life should be, how fragile we are as human beings, and how humble we should be that God should love us so much as to give his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, and that Christ cared and loved his Father, our Father, so much, and he loved us that he was willing to go through uh, the terrible sacrifice and the passion that we might be saved, all of us, and uh, rewrote the whole, uh, his final words to his apostles uh, before he, this was after he had been crucified, this was after he had been resurrected. He had been 40 days on the earth, and as he left his apostles, he admonished them to stay in Jerusalem so that the Holy Spirit might be upon them. And he changed the whole course of the Bible when before he had said he was only there uh, for Israel and all of a sudden he told his apostles, go unto all the world and teach every... And it is interesting that uh, he defines it right down to uh, critters almost. And those who accept the gospel will be saved. And so it became quite a chore uh, for people like Peter, who was the leader of the apostles, uh, because uh, Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, there was only one tribe left, and it didn't last long after uh, Christ ascended. It was in 100 A.D. that the Romans just decimated uh, Jerusalem and uh, drove all the known uh, members of the tribe of Judah underground or to death or in captivity. But during that period of time of the apostles, when they were going through their martyrdom, uh, they wondered, should we require circumcision? Should we require uh, all of the things that uh, Christ did as a blood member of the tribe of Judah? And they decided, no, uh, just don't drink the blood of idols that were, and don't 
worship false gods. Well, we need to be mindful. And so Betty Ford, a fine lady, uh, uh, her eulogy is today, the funeral uh, will be uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, just a couple of days. Now, another piece of news that is very important, Ron Paul is 75. He's a medical doctor. He's brought thousands of newborns into this world. Ron Paul announced today that he would not seek another term as a congressman, representative, in the great state of Texas. Rather, he is going to focus his last political efforts on the 2012 presidential campaign. Now, Ron Paul does not get news. Matter of fact, uh, it's just the opposite. He gains negative notoriety because those elements, that serve Satan, those elements who want to see America betrayed, brought to its knees, uh, ushered into a global governance where bankers rule. Go back and look at uh, Old Hickory, Andy Jackson, seventh president of the United States, what he said, you are a den of vipers and thieves. He told the bankers they're trying to take over America. And he says, by the power of the Almighty, I'm going to rout you out. And he did. Well, today, the thing that the news people and the President of the United States and no one in Congress will tell you is that every dollar that is minted is loaned into existence and is debt-ridden with interest to the Federal Reserve banks, which are no more federal than Fred Smith's Federal Express. And that's the truth. And that is why a fiat money system, there will never be a reduction of the debt. We have already far exceeded our debt limit of $14.3 trillion. We are already up in over $14.5 trillion. But because of clever manipulation, the money that is determining the debt ceiling is, uh, is washed and categorized and reduced, and uh, it is, it's like Social Security. People that are working pay into Social Security. Now, I ask you, where is the vault that contains all the contributions to Social Security? There isn't a single dime. Social Security is like a piggy bank packed with IOUs. It's like your mother or your father 
requiring you to save your money that you work for. You put it in the piggy bank. It falls out the bottom. They put it in their pocket, but they replace it with a note that says, I owe you. Now, when you come to seek your college fund or uh, to take a bride or a spouse, you open the piggy bank and voila, there's all the IOUs. That is the truth. You send this kind of information to Congress. See what they say. How can they defend themselves? Ron Paul is a man, the only man, the only candidate, thinks how there's a couple of women running for president. The serious point is, Ron Paul is the only person running for president that has an actual debt solution. And uh, the bankers and the globalists and the world traders, they know it. They are traitors, not traders. They're traitors to the United States. They would see this God-blessed nation destroyed and put into a global governance because God is not with them. They serve the prince of this world. Now, you may say, Bo, you seem to be awful hard. I'm being factual. It's time that, as Obama says today, we have to eat our peas which means we're going to have to make sacrifices. Now's the time to do it. Well, Ron Paul, and this is the truth. You know, there's all kind of news today going on about Huntsman uh, beating up on Romney, about Huntsman's state uh, being much better at employment than Massachusetts under Romney. Friends, Huntsman and Romney have zero idea of how to balance the budget, how to get America out of this. Uh, in the Bible, it tells you, don't get yourself where you are, you owe your soul to these lenders. Ron Paul has got the answer. And Obama's right, it is time to eat our peas. As far as looking at someone and being realistic, he may not be the tallest, he may not be the darkest, he may not be the handsomest, he may not be the richest, and he certainly doesn't have the support of the GOP. But Ron Paul can save America. And now Ron Paul has said, I'm not going to be a congressman anymore. I am going to give all that I have in this race in 2012. Ron Paul knows. Any hero knows. You can stand up. You can do all you can do. But it's not enough to bring this country back. Look at all the prophets of the Bible, how frustrated they became 
even they who were called of God and communed with God, even they, they as an individual were not enough. And so think about this Ron Paul, contribute to this Ron Paul, support this Ron Paul, pray for this Ron Paul, and pray for America that God will give us just one more chance. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a pause here to give American Voice Radio an opportunity. Do business with those who help us. So listen to these ads. I'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. Freedom Call. family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the freeze-dry guide to Today at freeze dry guy at landset.com. That's freeze dry guy at l a n s e t dot com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333 and let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. 
These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. We got some heroes, and I was just uh, giving you the lowdown on Ron Paul, congressman of for 20 years. Uh, Rand Paul, R-A-N-D, is a senator, U.S. senator. It's Ron Paul's son. Rand Paul represents uh, Kentucky, and uh, I know that Ron Paul is proud of his son, and that Rand Paul understands. Uh, his dad's uh, positions. But, for example, Ron Paul says, bring the troops home. Well, let me ask you, what are we doing? Are we the enforcers for a uh, a mafia made up of big oil? Is that what we're doing uh, in Iraq? That's what President Bush basically admitted to. He said that he used uh, the guise of uh, Saddam Hussein, you know, being a cruel dictator, of having weapons of mass destruction and all of this, but he admitted uh, there weren't any. And we got rid of Saddam Hussein. He's dead. And so what are we doing there with the world's largest embassy? I guess maybe they play telephone tag or something or have bowling alleys uh, in the hallways, 200 
107 acres. And Iraq has uh, one of the world's largest oil reserves. So that's what we're doing there. But, I mean, I've been a, a soldier. I've been in combat for this country. A lot of times you may think what we're doing may not we. Do you know that there were about 40,000 Guatemalan people killed? Have you ever thought about that? Nobody talks about the Third World War. But I know what it is firsthand. We think of these secret police teams. We think of the military going out and, uh, and just slaughtering uh, auxiliary that would be possibly supporting a side that the United States doesn't uh, support, and then try to be Samosa of Nicaragua, graduate of West Point. And we don't support him. Danny Ortega comes in, who is a communist, so that we can now follow up with arms and ammunition for the Contra. Oh, boy, everybody loves the war, except the soldiers and except the families. But when we got rid of the draft, even as I told you, now there's no rich people represented. It's all in the poor and the middle class sections. Now we had today an Army Ranger Sergeant First Class Leroy Petrie of the 2nd Battalion, 75th Rangers. It's always my best friend started that battalion uh, at Fort Lewis, Washington. He was uh, draped with the Medal of Honor. Don't mistake it and call it the Congressional Medal of Honor. Congress has a medal that they give away but they give it away to uh, not military for bravery, but uh, to whoever they want to politicize. So the MOH is the Medal of Honor, and that's what it's called. It's our highest award for valor. And Sergeant First Class Petrie uh, lost a hand among uh, many other agonies he went through, throwing an enemy grenade out of uh, the area where two of his buddies were. He didn't fall on the grenade. God be praised. Don't do that. Just get down. The grenade goes off, and it goes basically against the path of least resistance. If you are down, there's a good chance that you're not going to be killed. You may get a little piece of uh, shred of shrapnel. But this grenade landed, and he was throwing it back when it went off, blew off his right hand, shredding his body with shrapnel. He also had been hit numerous other times. He is only the second person living to be awarded the Medal of Honor in these long wars that we have fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. An Army Ranger, Sergeant First Class, 
Leroy Petrie, 2nd Battalion, 75th Infantry Rangers. He's 32 years old. All right, now let's get on to uh, very, very important issues. There was an incident today in Kandahar. Kandahar is one of the more important. It's one of the more active. It's one of the more focused upon provinces in Afghanistan. A person who was running the province of Kandahar was Ahmed Wali Karzara. Now, Kazara is the president. This was his half-brother. This is Karzai, who was actually running the opium, 93% of the world's opium is provided out of Afghanistan. It is called the Golden Crescent. And one point of the crescent is on Afghanistan, where it is grown, and uh, it is harvested, and it is processed into raw opium, and then it is moved over the same old roads of trade used by East India Trading Company when they were trying to overdose China. And it goes to Turkey, where it is refined into heroin that sells for a million dollars a pound in this pure form on all of the metropolitan streets. It is the way that Iran pays for its nuclear program. It is the way that People who hate America, like the Hezbollah, which is from Iran but operates in Lebanon, they are paid through the opiates that they take their piece of because the old Silk Road runs out of Afghanistan right across the crown of Iran right into Afghanistan, right into Turkey. And so how the, the Taliban was one of the biggest mistakes that we and Pakistan made when America went in and helped the Mujahideen in Afghanistan, along with Pakistan, to defeat the Russians and we did, all of a sudden, uh, there was uh, this absence of power. And everybody feared in Afghanistan would have gone back into these tribal fiefdoms. And so what happened is we had to quickly put something that would be for the whole nation of Afghanistan. It was Islam. We brought the Taliban in, we, we nurtured the Taliban, the Taliban took control of the whole country. Just one thing, the Taliban wasn't in on the, the joke 
that England was going to stay there and that they were starting the same old East India Trading Company that was before that found out there was a lot more money to be made uh, through opium trading than there was through tea. And America, which is England's House of Hesse and House of Hanover now, the Hessians that we fought during the Revolutionary War, that's what, uh, for some reason, that's why we genuflect to the Obama does to the Queen of England. What are we doing in Afghanistan? What are we doing there when there are maybe 50 al-Qaeda, according to our own CIA, and the Taliban has been broken up? What are we doing there? Well, we're there to protect England's interest in opium, just like we're in Iraq to protect oil interest of British petroleum. And oil is all-time high profits. And look at 93%. And so the Taliban went in and eliminated. When the Taliban was running Afghanistan until uh, 2001, there was no measurable opium being grown or produced or harvested or trafficked in Afghanistan. Zero. And now it supplies 93% of the world's heroin. Well, the boss, the big boss, is probably Hamid Karzai, our appointed president, who his daddy was good friends with Ike. And they visited the Kennedys. So Karzai's have always been close to us politically. So we established Karzai as the Afghan president. Well, his brother, Ahmed Wali, was running the dope side. You don't expect Ahmed Karzai to do it himself as president. And so Ahmed was assassinated today. He was shot down and killed by one of his bodyguards. And, of course, Taliban uh, is taking credit because he was running uh, the mafia there in Afghanistan, which was the war. And do you know who was paying Karzai? I'm talking about Ahmed Wali. The CIA had... Ahmed Karzai on their payroll. I'll tell you, it's the dead gumdest thing you ever saw. We had pineapple face. The CIA was paying at, for Panama and all of the cocaine that the banks, uh, the money was being laundered uh, there. And uh, the CIA is, you know, we had the Israeli Mossad. We had our CIA. And uh, they were paying Pineapple Face, uh, who was providing uh, the banking. And the cocaine, go back and look, 1976. That is when Daddy Bush 
was director. He was appointed by Gerald Ford as director of central intelligence. He lied to us. Daddy Bush said he had never met this guy. And twice, this dictator that we ended up uh, making the way for him to control Panama came and stayed with Bush in Washington, D.C. And so it seems like the CIA has never quit being right in the middle of heroin, illegal drugs, so that it funds uh, their shadow government efforts that the U.S. Congress would not vote for and do not know about. But it is interesting because it's going to change the dynamics of what happens in Afghanistan. And it's another reason why we need to get these troops home. Uh, you know, I see news anchor people, well-known newscasters. They don't. They're just paid a lot of money to say, oh, how sad they are that uh, President Karzai of Afghanistan's brother was killed today. The guy is the is the linchpin for this whole heroin thing in Afghanistan, which is twice the size of what the Golden Triangle was in Burma. That was three thousand tons. This is eight thousand four hundred tons every year. So I say hallelujah. If somebody has got to die, let it be the head people who are sucking up the heroin and causing it and furnishing our enemies the way, the means to destroy and to harm America. All right, let's shift gears. Roger Clements, he's a guy who won... Uh, 11 times most valuable player in baseball. They, he went before Congress. You know, I've been before Congress five different times. And uh, I wouldn't lie to them. When they asked me if I was working for the federal government, an official intelligence agency, I said yes. When they told me to identify it, I said, no, I will not. Then I was told that I would identify it or be held in contempt of Congress and that they were going to go into executive session, which means top secret can be discussed. Just as soon I was, as they talked to the DIA director in open session, and so they call the admiral up to talk to him in open session. I walked to the back of the room. The guard said, uh, Colonel, you've got to stay here. You're going to have to testify. And I said, look, I haven't had breakfast. I haven't had lunch. I didn't tell him I wasn't coming back. It's not my place to lie. This is the U.S. Congress. It represents you. Ollie North can lie under oath. And uh, all these other generals and admirals, but 
I'm not going to do it. I'm thinking. I take that oath very seriously. And so uh, now we have an interesting situation going on with Roger Clemens. He testified before Congress. He said that he had never taken uh, illegal drugs. This means things like steroids. It means a human growth hormone. Remember I told you in Africa, a lot of this stuff like uh, that killed so many sub-Saharan Africans, they needed the extract from the pituitary gland. You get a tiny bit from every human being. So who, where do you go? Where are the fields ripe with dead human beings? Sub-Sahara Africa. And uh, so this human growth hormone, which works miracles with children who do not have a normal supply of this hormone, they can be made to be normal in size and uh, in maturity. And so Roger Clements said that... Uh, told a friend that was known to be taking this stuff, and there are a couple of witnesses against him, but he swore before Congress, and now they have six charges against him, six felonies for perjury, that he could face 30 years in prison. My gosh, you look at uh, Casey Anthony. You look at uh, all of these people who walk or their sentence is so light that it might as well have been a DUI. Roger Clements facing 30 years for lying six times to the U.S. Congress, six felonies, and they are finishing the jury selection. They will start his trial uh, probably this week. And I think it's matter of fact, going along with that, the 2011 All-Star, uh, which means National League versus American League, if you like baseball, this is a time to see the All-Stars. They're playing in Phoenix, Arizona. If they don't have any drive-by shootings or kidnappings, uh, the game starts at uh, 8 p.m., Eastern time, 5 p.m. out here in the West, and it's being carried on Fox. I don't know what Fox is going to do about uh, O'Reilly because it's got his time slot blanked out. Anyway, it's at Chase Field. You can watch it if you want. Casey Anthony mentioned her. She walks free, and it's in the news. There's a book coming out now on uh, Casey Anthony. And uh, police, detectives who investigated this uh, Kaylee's murder say they are still stunned. This was by Florida Orlando uh, homicide detectives today saying, you know, we still can't get over it. All of her lies, she never said that Kaylee's death was an accident, and yet the jury turns her loose. So very 
very interesting. And concerning that, in Congress, uh, they are looking into child abuse. And one figure that uh, just comes out, and it makes you just want to scream, 2,500 children die every year in the United States from child abuse by their own family, by their own parents. These little children, they can't defend themselves. They must depend upon their parents. Gold hit an all-time high record uh, over, it has gone up every year for the last 10 years. The Dow, of course, is going down. If Obama, if what he says is we draw near the 21st of July and we don't have an agreement reference uh, the uh, spending, then uh, you're going to see the Dow bottom even further. Not a good time to be into the uh, stock market. Last things that I'll get a chance to say to you today are that now 24 states are under heat warning. Something, someone is fooling with the weather. And uh, Connecticut employees are getting their final checks. The state of Connecticut workers. And the military is going to be required beginning as soon as they can uh, get them uh, in quantity with a few modifications, the new smartphones, along with a weapon and water and uh, first aid, they're going to be carrying iPhones because they figure that the iPhone uh, can be, with its GPS features, it can show things like maps. You can text or tweet. I don't know if they'll be doing that uh, in military fashion at least. And talk. And they say it's going to be more secure than uh, tactical radios are today. So new item of equipment. Yeah, maybe they can talk to mom the same time they're talking to their squad leader. Congratulations to Army Ranger Leroy Petri, Medal of Honor. Silver wings upon their chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three when the Green Beret trained to live off nature's land. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. 
Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.